This is Killstreak. Worshippers of Ratma, which is something really important in this movie, <laughs> and uh, what they say is yeah. also really important. Keep that in mind. It could be like a kind of bookend type of situation. Yeah, it could be. This is Killstreak, episode 195. I'm Eric Goslin. Mike, I realized that you wanted me to ask you a question at the top of the show. You requested this. Oh, I don't remember. Recently. Exciting. Oh, really? Uh, I mean, but I couldn't remember specifically what the question was if, or if it was just a question. Oh, I think it was just a question. Um, apropos of nothing. Apropos of nothing. Mike, uh, let me ask you, did you ever, were you ever religious in your life or did you ever, uh, get into some sort of like new agey belief? Mm. You're, you're a very logical man. Yeah. It's, I, you know, it's almost a thing. There's a certain amount of envy. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I don't judge people with spiritual beliefs. If anything, yeah. I'm a little jealous. Because yes, I tend to just I tend towards skepticism. Me too. Um, but I will say that you know, at, since before I you know became an adult, I've always sort of hewed to an agnostic belief system. Um, yeah, I think atheists are are annoying. I uh, agree. Yeah, uh, for a while I d- identified as such, but then I was yeah. like, "Oh, that's annoying." Like Ricky Gervais types. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's also like there's a. I think there's a real arrogance in atheism of yeah. just like you don't know shit about shit. Nobody yeah, does. Nobody really does. Yeah. The only. The only. Yeah. Anybody who's like, I know exactly how everything works. Those are the only people that are truly wrong. Yeah. Um. But uh, no, you know, if if at 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 best. I would say that I have held in the past and maybe still hold on to some beliefs that there is there is something spiritual about um, life and nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, basically, you know, I've taken mushrooms a, a bunch of times <laughs> uh-huh. and it's just like, oh, yeah, there's like there's something there's something like, you know. That way that uh, you feel like trees and plants and shit, you can communicate with them when you're on mushrooms. Right. That feels semi-plausible to me. And also, I don't know if you've ever read uh, How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan or or seen no, the I Netflix show. No. The Netflix show sums it up pretty. The book's good. I recommend the book, but you, if you just want to bang something out in five hours, you can watch the Netflix show. But there's What some... am I, Sting? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, banging something out for five hours well, that's what i heard from from a guest who oh might, wow who might be appearing later on oh, just teasing it yeah uh that's what you guys have been doing yeah <laughs> um no but uh you know there's some interesting stuff about mycology about the study of fungi um mm-hmm. and the way that they kind of communicate in networks uh that he gets into and he's a very science and fact-based writer um yeah, there's some interesting shit there. I think so. Um, but uh, Jesus, I got no time for that guy. 
<laughs> well, what we do have time for is talking about VHS 94 on this rainy Sunday afternoon. I'll say yeah. I've never been more comfortable while recording. I'm sitting in my <laughs> comfy office chair yeah. in my office. Uh, I don't have to hunch forward like I normally do. Mm-hmm. I'm doing great, buddy. Why are you but- usually hunching? It's just the chair that I rec- usually record from isn't very. We gotta we gotta get your setup fixed. I know. And then I've been doing it from the couch down there, and I also mm. have to like can't have my back supported exactly. Yeah. I know it's it's a mess. I should just record up here. Honestly, it's the best. Seems like it's working okay. Yeah. Yeah. Range just started coming down here. It's nice. I got it the window. Nice. I got not the window open, but I have the window right next to me with the blinds up, just watching the rain come down. I might fall asleep at some point. Though. That's okay. Me too. We'll leave it in. We'll just let the audience just, take a breather. Wow. It's a four-hour episode. It's just me choking. <laughs> you sleep after Just silence for, for 10 minutes. and <laughs> What? <laughs> Do you have sleep apnea? I don't. No. Okay, good. No. Although, uh, I was having a lot of trouble sleeping in uh utah and Mm. i was told by a ski instructor that that's not uncommon uh and then i thought about it some more and i was like i wonder if i'm like below the threshold for sleep apnea at at you know essentially at sea level right but at altitude it's harder to get oxygen into your bloodstream so i wonder if it's like so that that like reduction in how much oxygen i'm getting pushes me over the limit and then i do have sleep apnea at at nine thousand feet you know oh, interesting um that's just the amateur scientist in me wondering wow I'm thinking about i mean this is a real sciencey it's turning into a real sciencey podcast today yeah i mean maybe <laughs> yeah pivot is it time for a pivot yeah let's pivot to a science podcast something we know a lot about <laughs> Um, I mean, we barely know anything about horror movies. We've been doing this for almost 200 episodes, five episodes away from episode 200. That's right. That's exciting. We've got to get some stuff in the works for that. We're going to do something fun. It won't be as good as 100 episodes. But, It'll be twice uh, as good. Yeah, sure. Um, or it'll be spread twice as thin. <laughs> what was I going to say? Uh, oh, yeah. Did you watch any movies? I know we had talked about The Devil's. Yeah, haven't come back. Started the Devils. Okay, I finished it. I I did watch it. Did it? Did how did how did you feel once you were done with it? It's a cool. Okay, I'll say I didn't love it. I think it's a cool movie. Mm -hmm. It's visually stunning. Yeah. Um, Oliver Reed. That's him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's incredible. Yeah. Um, but I think in my letterboxed review I said that like, actually this dovetails into what we were talking about earlier. I don't have that like religious. Oh, I'm so naughty for watching this feeling <laughs> that I imagine a lot of people were sure feeling uh, yeah. because I'm not religious. Right, right. Um, but it is. It's. I mean, it's a cool movie. I, I'm glad I watched it. Uh, yeah. And uh, oh, what was I gonna? Oh, I was gonna make another point, but whatever. Yeah. So um, continue with it. it. It's interesting. Okay, I will. Yeah, I just didn't really have access to Criterion this week. Yeah um i'm trying to think what did i do i mean i you know sorry go ahead what were you saying? i was say not really a horror movie is is what i was gonna say mm-hmm. the I the devils the yeah. devils yeah no i i didn't but it has devils in the title it does but 
I mean, the yeah. devils are us, really. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, yeah. Um, religion was the devil. Yeah, well, so I was on a trip with my, my wife's family, and so I was spending some time with my nephews, and they are just now watching the Star Wars original trilogy for the first mm. time. So I was there for all of Empire, which was very fun. Um, and so I watched... Over the course of this past week, I've watched all three of the original trilogy films. I also revisited Rogue One, coincidentally, the week before. And uh, so it's genre film, at least. And I'll say this. I I, uh, I bumped Rogue One up half a star on my letterbox. Oh, say. wow. I now have it as a four-star film. So oh, wow. I think it's Congratulations, Rogue One. It might. It's definitely the best non-original trilogy Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. And I might like it more than Return of the Jedi. It's less nostalgic, obviously. Sure. But I think in terms of overall quality, I think it might be a better movie. I've actually never seen it. I gotta watch really? it. Really? Have you yeah. watched Andor? I have. Yeah. It's weird that you have watched Andor but not watched Rogue One. I know. I'm usually like a completionist about this. I mean, I guess you're going in chronological order at least. That's true. Yeah, and I'll be uh well, I have to wait for the second season of mm-hmm. Andor. Uh, oh, we never worked out our Dune 2's drama. <laughs> it's all right. There's still time, I think. Okay. Um, oh, well, you can't, you can't just drop that on the audience. <laughs> oh, Mike texted me. I, I, he texted me a screenshot of his ticket order for seeing yeah. Dune 2. Yeah, I bought four tickets for IMAX 70 millimeter. Which I saw he made at like three in the morning. <laughs> Like, so it was like oh, yeah, I've also had he... trouble sleeping for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> and the day he bought it, I, I didn't see that. I thought it was multiple tickets and you were already going with somebody. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't give you a lot of no. Context. I didn't give a lot of detail, but I sent I sent it's like, hey, I, it's it was a, it was a receipt essentially of four tickets purchased yeah. for a day, which is more than a month away. And I and was I, like and I said, you down question mark. Right. And I looked at my calendar, and on that day, I'm going to see this band called McCluskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, I'm, I can't. Or I said, I'm going to see, a, I'm going to a show that night. Yes. And then you very, said, very matter of factly, you know, you said, you're, let me see if I can find it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, part of this is like tone, regulating tone on text messages. It's, it's, <laughs> a, it's, it's always a more of an art than a science. I guess. I, I, I mean, I really truly thought i was being innocuous you oh, said no. i'm going to a show that night and then uh-huh. i said wtf and you said sorry, sorry bro, bro. <laughs> so and I then think, you said you seem almost happy about it <laughs> and you said <laughs> which i thought I'm, you were joking maybe I'm you ha- were yeah you said i'm happy to go to that show yeah <laughs> You're getting off on saying no. It's what you responded with. Yeah. Despicable. <laughs> See, at this point, I'm already joking. I know. I know. Um, yeah. But uh, and then I have eventually <laughs> criticized Eric for not saying bummer yeah, or asking if there was a, a different night we could do it. <laughs> and then you got and then really like, well, sarcastic. I thought you were actually like going with somebody, I assume. Yeah. <sighs> well, no, we'll in fact, you, you were the first person I asked if they wanted to go. I do want to go. I can go the next night. All right. So I'll look at it. I've been on a ski trip, so I haven't had a chance. Um, I've been <laughs> rubbing elbows with the hoi polloi. The other um, thing I did watch, which isn't really a horror, but is genre, um, 
Josh Briggs recommended to me Scavengers Reign, R-E-I-G-N, okay. on Max. It's an animated series, like 12 episodes. Yeah. And it's really cool. I, I watched a couple, and I'm really enjoying yeah. it. R-E-I-G-N sounds like a really bad before and after from The prices or from Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> yeah. This is sports, like this, this sports this, video game website. You could go to this store and buy tents and also get a 10... Get a, get a nerd's opinion on, a, <laughs> <laughs> on the latest first-person shooter. Uncharted 2 would be rated a perfect 10. Yeah. Um yeah. I also um I just wanna I wanna issue a correction. I said I've been rubbing elbows with the hoi polloi, but that's actually the opposite. Right, the hoi uh, polloi are the, the the common people. Yeah. yeah. I was rubbing elbows with the I I don't even know if they were the bourgeoisie. Is the one percent the one percent's not really the bourgeoisie, is it? I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, what it, is bourgeoisie more of like a cultural thing? Like they're they're art you know, artsy fartsy I think I think uh, it's what's well, it's class, fancy. but I think the bourgeoisie, at least you know, in the French Revolution, they're like the middle class, but it's they're very much like obsessed with status, the, with wealth and status. Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 Whereas like the one percent are the ones that the bourgeoisie are like climbing over each other. They want to be yeah. to become part of yes. Yeah. So I was with those people, the ones that everyone is climbing to be with. <laughs> and I will tell you, I didn't feel the slightest bit out of place, Eric, for the whole oh week. Oh my god, disgusting! I fit right in with those folks. Ugh, just... I definitely didn't have a much stronger connection with my ski instructor. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely didn't talk shit about fabulously wealthy people at all. Mike Price, truly a man of the people, as he's going on these luxury <laughs> vacations. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Let's start talking about uh, VHS okay. 94. VHS 94. Not from 1994. No. Yeah. Um, I wonder, Eric, do you think we'll ever get to a place in the VHS franchise if they stick with this year conceit that they use now? Will we ever have a VHS that is titled from a year when the VHS series existed? Oh, interesting. Will we ever get VHS 2012? I was going to say also, what about like VHS DVD? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what you need, like five people for that, right? Jesus Christ. I, I The pause was me trying to figure that out. Uh -huh. It's like DVD. Are you making a DVD a joke? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Um, that wasn't my best work, but you know, no, it was good. What's important it. is it came right off the cuff. That's how I like to do. Yeah, it. yeah, I, know, I liked it. It was, it was heartfelt. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, VHS ninety four came out three short years ago in twenty twenty one. Uh, it had its world premiere at Fantastic Fest, which is a great genre festival in Austin. Uh, founded by just the, the the best guys you can think of. Uh, Tim League, uh -huh. Harry Knowles. I think of the four of the four people who founded it, all, those are the only two who have been canceled. Was other... Devin Faraci involved? <laughs> I'm sure he was there a lot. <laughs> but no, at least he's not one of the founders of Fantastic Fest. 
But yeah, I mean, I guarantee you he was there like 10 years in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, just respecting women. So anyways, uh, <laughs> this is, this is going to be really good when I'm trying to like get my shorts into fantastic. Yes. Oh yeah. This is, this is not self-sabotaging. I walk in, I walk into the interview room and they, they hit <laughs> play on a cassette tape. <laughs> and it's this, you know. Um, but yeah, so it is, um, what would we call this? Is it a reboot? I mean, I think it's a reboot. Yeah. yeah. Do you, I mean, I guess it, how if if you can really reboot an anthology because they're not right. proper sequels to each other, but um, yeah, there was a long downtime in between seven years uh, between VHS Viral and VHS ninety four. Um, make a note of that. Um, mm-hmm. we'll, come, we'll come back to that later, but. Um, but yeah, so it's an interesting sort of way these films were released. We had one, two, three, all in the span of three years. And then we have a seven-year break. And then we have four, five, six, all in the span of three years. Um, I should say the first three, I think there was a year gap somewhere. It was 2011 to 2014. Yeah, there was, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah these are 21, 22, 23. Mm-hmm. And I w- I can only assume we will see a new one this Halloween. Yeah, that seems to be when they drop them. Yeah. Um. Although I I did not see any firm announcements of a 2024 edition, but I mean, come on, we know they're making it, right? They got. They got. It gotta seems be. like they do well. Yeah. Uh, I think they do. Well, you know, to that point, so this was a Shudder original film. It debuted on the Shudder streaming service, which we're fans of here on Killstreak. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was their highest rated premiere of of any original programming. Wow. Um, A record since broken by our next film, the HS99. Huh. Um, but yeah, one that I didn't know existed until we started doing this. I thought it was ninety four and eighty five. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's a little yeah. It's to go ninety four, ninety nine, eighty five is sort of curious. But you know what? I got I got no notes yet. Haven't seen the other two. I can't Mm -hmm. say if it was a good idea or not. I've seen one of them. The 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 one I knew existed. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So and and to to get that though, you've seen this before. Yeah, I have. Yeah, just one time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hold yeah, this is the second time I've seen it. Gotcha. Um, okay, so uh, as far as uh, this uh, this film coming together, so it's once again it is uh, produced primarily by Brad Miska of Bloody Disgusting. This time around, he teamed up with a production um, company uh, called Cinepocalypse as well as with the Radio Silence guys and with David Bruckner. Um, so Radio Silence and David Bruckner, both directors of uh, of sequences from the first VHS movie. Um, Bruckner was originally set to develop the whole thing and direct the wraparound, but he got the Hellraiser job while oh, yeah. this was in development. So he had to take a step back and stayed on as a producer. Same thing happened with the Radio Silence guys in Scream. Um, mm. They were also going to direct a segment. Uh, and then they also stepped back to work on Scream and stayed on as producers. Okay. Um, a couple things that are different about the way they shot this. This is the first one 
where they attempted to sort of marshal their budget and resources to uh to produce the majority of the segments together uh so there's still different directors but with one exception which we'll get to shortly um four of the five uh segments of this were all shot with similar crew in okay. toronto uh one after the other okay right? um and i think if you watched the movie you can probably guess which one was not shot yeah. in yeah, toronto yeah. one because it is indonesian clearly <laughs> and two because i think it also looks different than the other four segments it, it was sort of noticeable uh and we can talk about that later but yeah so that uh the one i'm referring to there is called the subject which uh marks the return of timo Gigianto, mm-hmm. uh this time directing on his own um without gareth is it edwards there's so many uh, no that's the gareth the is Edwards is the Godzilla guy. Godzilla guy, Gareth Jones, no. or is that is that uh, David Bowie's? Who's David Bowie's son? That's Duncan Jones. Duncan Jones. Okay. Well, the Gareth uh, Evans. The, Gareth Evans, the Welsh Gareth, who did the raid films. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Timo Gigianto's back. So that's an Indonesian production. Uh, but the other four. Uh, are American directors and they were, but they were all shot in Canada. Actually, I can't say for sure. One of them could have been a Canadian director. Um, so this time around, we have uh, returning in addition to Timo Gigianto is Simon Barrett, uh, writer uh, from the first two films, one of the developers of the franchise, and also director of the wraparound in VHS 2. Um, he did the third segment, I guess, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, if we count the wraparound as one, which is called the empty wake. Um, the wraparound itself is directed by a woman named Jennifer reader who has sort of an interesting resume. She's older, um, than, I mean, I think she's probably roughly the same age as Simon Barrett. Uh, but she's, you know, the rest of the filmmakers are sort of new up and comers. And mm. she's somebody who she first kind of hit the scene in the 90s um, with uh, some uh, like a performance art video work called White Trash Girl. Um, and then she ended up doing an MFA after that. And then she's been she's been around directing since like the early aughts. Um I didn't recognize anything specifically that she had done. She did a movie called Signature Move. Uh, she did a movie called Knives and Skin. Um, she's she's pretty well known, I think, in the sort of feminist and LGBTQ filmmaking world. Yeah. Um, and yeah, looking at it, I don't I don't recognize anything. Yeah. So this is I watched a little bit of a behind the scenes thing. What are you gonna say? Uh, no. I was gonna say I I've seen. Per uh perpetu- perpetrator perpetrator that's her newest per- one right why did I have a hard <laughs> yeah you've been called yeah, that's it a so word, many that's times. a word <laughs> but I was trying to say perturbator which is that's which is like a uh, musician the role, uh, the no, role I... that you fill in your home how the fuck do you get off <laughs> talking to me this way it's easy <laughs> um 
Yeah, that's her newest one. Uh, and I, yeah, I do think that was fairly well received. Did you like it? No, I, I was mistaken, though. I haven't seen it. Okay. What a fucking load <laughs> what a, of bullshit what a, this has been. I know, I know. Um, but yeah, you know, in the behind the scenes, she talks a little bit about how, I think this was her first foray into proper horror, mm. um, which was something she was interested in, in trying. Um, but that hasn't, you know, stylistically really been her wheelhouse up to this point. Um, second segment, Storm Drain, directed by Chloe Akuno, the director of Watcher, mm. which was one of my recommended horror films from 2022. Oh, I never um, watched it. Yeah, that's the one. It's um, Micah Monroe. That's and right. Burn Gorman. Um, it's pretty solid, uh, especially... It's pretty solid, and then when you realize it's a it's a debut feature, I think it's it's quite impressive. It's mm. uh, she's she's a promising talent. Um, she's an AFI person, I believe, along with at least one of the other directors here, um, who we'll get to in a sec. And then I said Simon Barrett did the second one. The third sequence is the subject by Timo Gigianto. and then yeah, so terror. Uh, is a short inspired in part by the January 6th insurrection, uh, as well as the foiled kidnapping plot of Michigan Governor, uh, is it Gretchen? Yeah, I can't Gretchen remember. Whitmer? I can't remember her name. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Gretchen Whitmer. Yeah, I got it. Whew. Man, I feel good about myself. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Ryan Prowse is another uh, AFI graduate from, like, the last 10 years. Um, also, I would say uh, pretty much the setup of the Oklahoma City bombings, too. That's Yeah, very similar. Yeah. Patriots, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Real American patriots. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, that is... That's our, our roster of directors. Now, this may be... Uh, Oh, I should also say there is a sixth director involved. Oh, uh, yeah. There is there is a brief interstitial, we'll call it a parody commercial, uh, in between the end of Storm Drain and uh, the second part of the frame narrative called The Veggie Masher. Uh, and that one is directed by a guy named Stephen Kostansky. Um, so I don't know him. I didn't look him up. Sorry. Uh, Did you he- include that in your rating? I did not, no. Oh, yeah, neither did I, okay. We can talk about it. He's part of a film uh, kind of collective called Astron 6. They are Canadian. Mm. So, um, yeah, what I was going to say. Oh, yes, I was getting into a joke that I have told many times before in different formats. But uh, I was going to say, this may come as a shock to you guys, but um, not a lot of notable names in the cast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact... There is not a single person I have ever seen before in anything. Um, there are amongst the six segments, one, two, three, four, five, six people who have Wikipedia pages. Uh, yeah, I noticed that. Not a lot of blue on that Wikipedia page. No. Links. No, 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 no. Uh, this was a COVID movie. It was shot after they sort of started to uh codify what the what the guidelines and restrictions would be around shooting during the pandemic so this was this was like really in the thick of it you know entire cast and crew quarantined together constant testing every day every member of the crew 
and cast who's not on camera wearing masks. So, you know, uh, there's a level of difficulty certainly added mm -hmm. to the, to the process here. Yeah. Um, some fun stuff about the, uh, the way it was shot. So, um, yeah, I think we were, we sort of, I'm trying to remember if obviously Jajanto used a different DP. Mm -hmm. I am double checking right now to see if it is the same DP for the other four segments or not. Um, but, uh, I think the approach used because so, so this is, even though now we're in the year 2021 where technology has really taken some leaps and bounds, even from 2014, uh, when the last movie came out, uh, you know, they're going very much, I would say more so than any film up to this point in the series for the matching the aesthetic of VHS tape. Yeah. Um, and I think you see the approach is a little different in some segments. Uh, I think specifically, I'll just say that I think the wraparound has a different approach. And obviously Timo, Timo Gigante's segment also has a very different look. Um, but the others, I think all, and this is almost me guessing, they all kind of feel like they were shot and then handled in post in roughly the same way. Right. Um, here we go. Cinematographers. Um, yeah, it does look like we have five credited. One of them is from the Veggie Masher. So it looks like at least one person shot two of these segments, but let's just say for the sake of simplicity that these were different cinematographers. But okay. I think the production, especially I think post, I get the impression was handled in a more holistic way. Um, there is a lot of what they did. Um, you know, there's notes in, in, in the Wikipedia about, um, utilizing older video equipment but from what i could see from the behind the scenes and also just from my eye i don't think that's true for the most part i think there's a handful of things you can tell were probably shot on vhs um i'm going to specifically call out um that last segment terror yeah very much does look like it was shot with vhs cameras um and if it was not then my hats are off to they did a good job to, to the folks who did like that it. yeah yeah absolutely um i know storm drain was shot uh with digital cameras but it received the kind of post treatment that i think most of this stuff got which was essentially just like re-recording to vhs uh-huh which in my head i was like well that is how i would do it right yes it's, yeah i would i would just shoot this whole thing digital i would not put a lot of digital processing on post and then once we had a, a locked cut I think you would just dub it to VHS multiple times, right? Yeah. Not just once. Just degrade a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what they did. Now, not to fire any shots prematurely, but um, the the wraparound segment feels very much like it is a uh, just a digital filter. Mm -hmm. um, it is. It's like it's like Instagram. <laughs> it's like make it look like VHS because it is right, the right. same. It's like the same tracking. It's just like a mask over. And it, I don't think it's quite as elegant. Um, yeah. Let's see. Outside of that. Burr, 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 burr. Inspirations. Um, something that I, I, I'll just say right out of the gate that I appreciated about this was 
there's a little bit more, I think, um, coordination with the filmmakers. Um, you know, the, a lot of the in the behind the scenes, a lot of them talk about their inspirations. And one of the things that they tried to do was take from the era for for a lot of the you know the ideas for the segments yeah so it's not just aesthetics it's also you know things are being inspired by waco siege um they mention heaven's gate uh Mm -hmm. also nancy kerrigan and tanya harding i don't know who called that where where would that what would that one be i don't know um couldn't tell you uh the oj simpson bronco chase as well as uh jennifer reader took a lot of inspiration from videodrome mm-hmm. and uh and timo Giganto from the faces of death series oh okay um yeah yeah i could see like storm drain just kind of being this cryptids were big in the 90s mm-hmm. yeah you know with like x files and all that stuff yeah um, there's a there's a sketch of the rat man yeah at one point that is a direct uh sort of uh nod to the lepre you know the leprechaun yes yes yeah. the leprechaun yeah yeah which people should look that up it's like the leprechaun news segment or whatever so funny <laughs> it's very it good. also wasn't there an episode of the x-files where like somebody hands Mulder or Mulder sketches a bigfoot it just looks very funny and has like boobs <laughs> yeah i think so Mulder had a thing for for boobs uh, Simon Barrett says that his uh, his short was inspired by the 1967 Soviet horror film Vi or V V I Y is how it's spelled. Hmm. Made me very yeah. curious. I want to kind of yeah, I want to check I'll that watch out. It, but I want to check it out. Yeah, uh, he he wanted to direct something with the premise of someone having to watch over a corpse, and I guess that's uh, sort of what that's about. Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, and then as far as, you know, release and marketing goes, like, they built this one up pretty well. They went to Comic-Con. They did a first look. They showed a little bit of Storm Drain, the Chloe Kuno segment. Um, and then, yeah, they released it, I think, for the month of Halloween on Shudder, and it did extremely well. Um, broke their internal records and, you know, sent Shudder, sent uh, VHS 99 straight into production. Um yeah, so uh, no ideas as far as budget or uh, or box office. Those things I don't think will become that will yeah, not be part of. We'll the just equation. never know that stuff with in the age of streamers. Yeah, which is a little unfortunate, but um, yeah, whatever. It's it's uh, it did well. That's all we really need to know. Yeah. Um. Anything else? I think that's pretty much. Uh, critical reception was good. Uh, very positive. Uh, in fact, I. Th- think you know rotten tomatoes uh, highest rated of the series um these are always dubious stats but also i believe the rotten tomatoes rated 91 percent positive was like the highest of any horror movie that year wow um yeah which i looked at some of the others and it's um it's not a it's not a bumper crop of horror movies in 2021 uh this was during the time when not a lot of stuff was getting made because of yeah. COVID, but um, but yeah, uh, not to take anything away from from the movie, it it was well received. So, what did you think, Eric? Well, let's find out in the next segment. Okay. Police search warrant. Police search warrant. Do not touch anything. Could be no one left alive in here. 
Do I just press the button? Press the red button. Just press it. I assume they're paying extra for this. Yes. This is the remarkable story. Hello? Hello? Measure turns your vegetables into a tasty, mm, mouth-watering paste. All are welcome. All right, we're back. Um, blood. Do we do the blood and guts check now? Yeah. I we guess we, we do. do. Yeah. Yeah. Blood yeah. and guts check. Mike, this is your first time. It watching is. uh vhs 94 mm-hmm. what'd y'all think of it uh 94 out of 100 no just kidding not that high but it was pretty good um i felt like this was certainly uh with the caveat that like the the ceiling for this sequence their sequence sorry series so far has been not that high um but it's a return to form, I would say, from the highs of the first two movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely an improvement over the last one. I'll start yeah. with that. Um, this one, if I had a kind of overwhelming takeaway, would be uh, in terms of like uh, production value and craft, it's, I think it's really well done. Pretty yeah. much across the board, uh, there's a couple a couple little nitpicks I have, but it's it feels like a very well made found footage movie. Yeah, um, the acting is no better or worse than most of the other movies. Oh, I think it's pretty good in this one. I think I think you know what I'll I'll say it's a little bit better. Yeah, you're right, but it didn't blow nothing like blew me away necessarily. Right, but right. yeah, I had less less gripes. And I would say if if this falls short anywhere, it is in story a little bit. I think I think some of these segments, it does feel like kind of plotting is the afterthought of all of the things that went into making these shorts. Mm. Um, but we can kind of tackle that on a segment by segment basis. Yeah, um, I'd say I I also like this one. Um, I think it's. Maybe the o- only one we've watched so far where I didn't dislike any of the segments. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say that I thought all of them were like masterpieces, but I think the overall, there's just like a higher level of quality to everything mm-hmm. that I appreciate. Um, and I think there's some really cool stuff in here too. Uh, but let's get into um, the segments and we can talk more specifics. Okay. 
So, the film segments are presented as a series of cassettes found by the SWAT team members in the frame narrative, Holy Hell, as they advance through an abandoned warehouse containing remnants of a ritualistic cult mass suicide. So, we've got Holy Hell Prologue, written and directed by Jennifer Reeder. She did all of the Holy Hell ones. A woman dressed in white clothing inhales a gaseous vapor being emitted by a gelatinous white substance in her hands. Later, the same woman, with her eyes gouged out, counts down from ten in a staticky voice as another woman passes behind her. A SWAT team consisting of Slater, Ausler, Sprayberry, <laughs> Spivey and Petro, and Nash, and their camera guy Gary, raid a warehouse during what is believed to be a drug bust. They find a private jet behind the warehouse. A distorted female voice emanates from the speakers. All are welcome. All are watching. Finally, followers, tonight is the night you've been waiting for. Track my signal. The signal is the stimulant. The signal is the sedative. The signal is salvation. As the officers charge through the tight corridors, they discover multiple prison cell-like rooms with television sets displaying static. They spot a man sitting in one of the rooms, but as the officers order him not to move, they realize he is dead with his eyes gouged out in the viscous white substance the, during the... Um, the drug SWAT team is after, dripping onto the floor. Advancing through the warehouse in search of suspects, the team enters the room, seen in the VHS tape, and encounter more dead cultists. Slater orders to search the upper floor with Blue Team, while the remaining officers keep going as one of the televisions begins to play a newscast. All right, so... Mm. Starting off VHS 94 with this segment, uh, what were your thoughts um, during and after? Sure. Well, through this first segment, um, I think the notes that I had, one of I've already talked about, but this was, the, I was a little concerned about some of the visual choices being made when this one started and then my concerns were assuaged by the rest of the segments. Mm -hmm. But this is the one, like the first thing I noticed is I was like, this feels very, this is the one that does feel like not actual VHS. Like it's just, it's like 4k footage or 8k footage that got like a, like an Instagram Treatment. filter on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that was like a nitpicky thing. I think the performances in this one are kind of big. Um, and, like the the SWAT team is a little bit annoying, but then as, when they get into the warehouse, there's a lot of weird stuff in there mm -hmm. that kind of I think made me curious. I think that the voice over the loudspeaker felt a little derivative. Um, like the the video drum thing, totally unsurprising to hear that that's like an inspiration. Yeah. But it's like, all are welcome, all are watching. Finally, followers tonight. Like, all of that stuff. I was like, okay, this... this is, I was, like, a little dubious about it. But um, but once they start going through and seeing kind of, you know, what's in different rooms and stuff, I, I, it definitely left me wanting to know more. I was yeah. like, I'm curious to see what happens in the next segment of this. I definitely agree that the, the SWAT team members are a little annoying. And also we've seen a lot of SWAT teams in, in mm -hmm. like the previous movies, I feel like. Yeah. Or at least a couple. Especially, um, yeah, the last one for sure. Yeah, the last one for sure. And, and this one, uh, I, yeah, I think you 
you're right in that there's enough like creepiness in in there's like enough cool visuals that you're like mm-hmm. okay I'm I'm down for the ride yeah and of course with all of these first segments it's just like okay well, well where does it go from here yeah we have no idea and in the past ones we've had the answer is nowhere really mm-hmm. until the very very yeah. end yeah um so I at least appreciated the swing of yeah. it being like a more active thing and kind of leaving you with questions yeah uh, the viscous white substance stuff i was like what is that i have no idea i'm i'm, I'm really remains. interested to find out yeah we'll find out i guess soon enough yeah yeah whether or not we get an answer on that stuff uh so then the first proper segment written and directed by chloe akuno uh storm drain in westerville ohio Channel 6 news reporter Harley Marciano and her cameraman Jeff are filming a story about the Rat Man, a cryptid of a local legend who has supposedly been living in the town's storm drains. After interviewing several of the town's citizens who have reportedly witnessed the creature gain information to gain inf- what? Oh, I see, sorry. After interviewing several of the town's citizens who have reportedly witnessed the creature to gain information. It's a terrible the, sentence. It's, yeah. It's the duo fucked. descend into a storm drain where they find several homeless encampments. I should say abandoned homeless encampments. They're not talking to people. Right. They meet one guy. They meet one person, yeah. While filming, they are approached by a man covered in black slime. Holly tries to interview him, but when he begins to spit up black liquid and murmurs, Ratma, hmm, they attempt to flee. Before they can make their escape, they are captured by other residents of the sewers. They're taken deeper into the sewers by the dwellers. The minister of the local church, who Holly had interviewed earlier, appears and announces that a new order will soon begin. He then summons the Ratman, which is revealed to be a grotesque half-human, half-rat creature dubbed Ratma, that he and the other sewer dwellers worship as a god. Ratma proceeds to vomit black liquid, which the minister pours over Jeff's face. The viscous substance killing him uh, as it melts the flesh from his head. Holly is then brought before Ratma, the creature growling in approval as she screams. She's also covered in vomit, too. But she's not melting. No. Right? No. After a brief infomercial for the Veggie Master... The film returns to the newscast where Holly's co-banker explains that she was rescued from the storm drain and has returned to work at the station, though Jeff is missing. Holly gives her next report, unwittingly substituting random words with Ratma, confusing her co-anchor. She suddenly vomits a black liquid on his face, melting it off as he dies screaming on the air. As the newsroom erupts in panic, Holly revealed to have been successfully converted slash brainwashed by the sewer cult, Cheerfully finishes her report, signing off with "Hail Ratma." That's probably what I should have said. Uh, yeah. What do you mean? What you should say? Maybe what later. I should say later. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I can t- I'll go first with this okay. one. Okay. Um. Overall, I think this one's pretty fun. Um. It's kind of funny mm-hmm. in parts, mm-hmm. like especially all the news anchor stuff is pretty funny, and I like that when you finally do meet the rat monster it's a little more it's and there's a lot of cults in this in this Mm -hmm. series uh but i do like that it's not just a straightforward they're being hunted by this rat monster through the sewers it is a little it's like a cult worshiping the rat thing and then it Mm -hmm. pukes up black stuff and if Mm -hmm. you're i don't know if you're like pure of heart or whatever yeah you survive it (laughs) um 
so that's just, it's cool that it's just how weird it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, although there are points where it like the story doesn't, and this is really nitpicky stuff, mm-hmm. but like for instance, Holly is really reluctant to enter the sewers right and then all of a sudden she's like really happy to be in the sewers and mm-hmm. interview like unhoused people yeah uh and it's like okay well it feels a little weird but she's like sort of trying to get her mm-hmm. as the cameraman jeff says her pulitzer right um but it's not it's i mean i don't know it's just not very elegant in mm-hmm. in that transition but that's sort of like you know whatever we're watching yeah an anthology horror sure movie yeah in 50 minutes um, yeah, what did you think about this one? Is there anything else like the Pulitzer cliche? Because no. I feel like it's such a specific thing for like reporters and journalists in movies and TV shows being accused of chasing a Pulitzer, right? Which is them like doing something disingenuously or or in a risky fashion, and it's like it feels like a very universal idea amongst many different jobs, but. I can't think of any other examples. Right. You're just trying to get the Oscar right now. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You're chasing your Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that happens in like two movies. Uh, Write us folks. uh, Killstreakpod at gmail.com. If you can think of other examples besides chasing a Pulitzer. Mm -hmm. Uh, This segment. Yeah. I think I, uh, Eric, I'm afraid to say we mostly agree on things again. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that overall uh this is a strong segment. Uh I think that it is and I may be biased because I already I have already seen Watcher and I liked it. Um but I think the direction is very strong. Um they really nails the newscast stuff. Yes, yeah. Which like sets it, it it starts it with a positive note. It sets you up to wanna, you know, be on the side of this segment because the look of the newscast stuff is it's perfect. Yeah. And the performances are good. It feels it's just a little heightened, right? Yeah. So if you showed this to somebody, they would probably go, "Oh yeah, this is like a parody." But it's like a very well done parody yeah I, I would say to contrast it to like the magician one dante the great mm-hmm. from last episode yeah which is a segment we liked but like it, it suffers from you know 27 year olds and like right. gray hair like yeah. fake gray hair like talking mm-hmm. as experts it feels authentic what you're watching yeah. they did a good job building a little newsroom set she's correctly aged she seems to be about 30 which is like a very believable age for a female newscaster yeah her co-anchor is like 655 60 yeah so it just feels it feels good it looks really good um i think that this segment builds tension very well um the the sort of it's inevitable you know they're going to eventually go into the storm drain but they don't right off the bat there's a little business beforehand and mm-hmm. and you know i have a soft spot too for scary dark public works um yeah yeah so it's uh i i think they there's like a good kind of dread building and a curiosity and but then yeah i agree the story lets this one down kind of you know if if this is long enough to have three acts sort of sort of like towards the end of the second into the kind of climax of the third 
act when it's just like I just want a little bit more out of this uh cult uh right what is you know where how uh, it's just like it feels it it does feel very much like it's like it's like a horror trope that it's like the difference between a a tailored jacket and grabbing something off the rack <laughs> if that makes sense it's like this isn't a tailored rat cult story this right, is right. like somebody walked into the horror um halloween you know store and just grabbed cult worshippers off the rack and like put it on right. you know um so i don't know if that metaphor makes sense for people but yeah i just I get think what you're saying. yeah i just think they could have you know she could have done a little bit more to i think develop um what is the dynamic between these folks living in the sewer drain and Ratma and like the connection of this? Cause it's like a minister, right? Yeah. Yeah. That we see getting interviewed earlier. Yep. And it's just, I think it's just lacking just a little bit. Um, there's also, this didn't mention it, but there's the, there's the sort of uh, militia guy, right. That she interviews before they go into the storm drain. Mm-hmm. Am I right in that that's a connection to the last segment to terror? Oh, I didn't really pick up on that, but yeah, there is like a, a militia guy like guarding against yeah. the rat man yeah. outside of the sewer. This sort of scratches at a at a bigger not an issue. I mean, it's an issue I have, but it's not a it's not a damning issue by any stretch. If you read people talking about the development of this project, like there was a goal in place to make the segments connect more. Yeah. And I feel like it's something that they started to do, but then didn't really follow through on. Right, because Holy Hell ends up connecting to it. Mm-hmm. It's a terror. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. I actually didn't pick up uh, on that, that like, militia man being, if he's in the, yeah. the last segment or not. Yeah, I could be wrong, but it's sort of, it feels like the vestigial tale of, like, uh, these were going to be connected in, a, in, like a, in a, like, a firmer way. But I'll say, also, I think that this one, it lands... Well, even even with the things that I was like, well, yeah, I wish yeah. I had gotten some more. Like the final sequence back in the newsroom is fun. It's good. That it's, kill is really cool. Like yeah. the face melting. The face melting looks good. And it's like a fun, fast, visceral ending. It's exactly the kind of in-your-face quick bang thing that I tend to like. And I will also say, I don't know if it's deliberate. Uh, knowing Chloe Akuno, I would guess that it's certainly amongst her inspirations. But like some positive association i got i definitely got some like robocop vibes from yeah from the, veggie the masher yeah the veggie masher she didn't and, do that specifically but but i mean there's obviously a choice to insert that in yeah um do you want to talk about the veggie masher commercial for a second yeah the veggie masher commercial it's you know it's very quick it's just mm-hmm. um if you're not gonna watch the movie it's just like a, a product, like a Ron Popeil kind of product mm-hmm. that they're advertising, uh, and uh, it's just a ve- it's just a vegetable masher. Yeah, <laughs> it's like very stupid. It's stupid. It makes a mess, and it just turns vegetables into like something in between salsa and baby food. Yeah, um, that looks really unappealing. Yeah. I will say, in 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 its favor, and in the favor of this whole thing working together, it doesn't. It similar to the newscast stuff. It edges it toes the line of laying it on too thick Mm -hmm. but it never gets so weird or jokey that it like completely breaks the illusion and i think that's a credit to it yeah it's almost cheddar goblin-esque from mandy remember Mm. the cheddar goblin commercial no 
I have not. I started Mandy once when I was stoned and it was too much, and I didn't oh, okay. finish it. I will a fake watch commercial it. in Mandy for. Yeah. I think something like a macaroni and cheese thing called Cheddar Goblin. Okay. Um, that sounds which fun. Is pretty funny. Uh, what do you think of the Rat Man design? Um, it looks good from some angles and not as good from others. Yeah, it's an interesting. It's almost you th- when you first see it, you think it's like an elongated skull, like mm-hmm. it looks like a yeah with like a big mouth but then you see it's actually what you think are the eyes are its nose yeah and it has yeah. another set of eyes further down its snout it's kind of cool yeah but yeah it's, it doesn't always look great from all angles yeah there's like when you look at it head on it's very creepy and good and then when you see it from the side it looks a little odder at times but i would say like as far as like prosthetic creatures go, it definitely gets a thumbs up. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's all real as far as I can tell. So that that alone, you know, credit to them. Um, oh, yeah. maybe it is actually eyes at the front. Oh yeah, I'm looking at a picture now. Uh, it's actually it is eyes at the front where I thought were nostrils, mm-hmm. and the ears on the back, towards the back of the head, which I thought were the eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I think if I had any notes, I'd say it could look a little more like a rat. A little more rat-like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Moving on to Holy Hell, uh, Interlude 1, um, which I stupidly moved away from. Okay. Uh, back in the framing story, the officers go deeper into the building and come across a room set up to look like a church with a giant screen at the front and severed mannequins in the seats. The giant screen begins to play video footage from a funeral home. It's uh, all just, you know, so that you don't have to always go first on the Holy Hell segments. Uh, I just wrote that my one note is creepy, but not much happens yeah. in this okay. segment. So it's Agreed. quick. But <clears throat> as with a lot of in a lot of the Holy Hell segments, there's at least enough cool stuff happening. that you are like, OK, yeah. Uh, Production whatever. design is good. Yeah, uh, in the warehouse and and all that stuff. But yeah, this is this is like there's no new developments in this. So then, the empty wake, written and directed by Simon Barrett, at Jensen Funeral Home, a young woman named Haley is assigned to host a wake for a man named Andrew Edwards, whose family has requested that the service be held be sorry be video recorded during the whole night. Haley's boss Ronald and another assistant Tim leave the building for the night leaving Haley to pass the time reading. A strong thunderstorm begins outside, causing the power to flicker. Haley then calls her friend Sharon, asking her to check the local obituaries for Andrew's name. When she hears strange noises from the casket, which has moved on the beer? The buyer? Beer? B-I-E-R? Oh. Yeah, some, some term I don't know from funeral homes. Haley calls Tim and says that she thinks Andrew may still be alive. Tim quells her worries by explaining that the body is most likely releasing gases that are causing the noises. As the storm worsens, the building begins to occasionally lose power. A strange man who identifies himself as Gustav and claims to be a relative of Andrew arrives to the wake, during which Haley allows him to pay his respects. After uttering an apparent incantation in Hungarian, Gustav thanks Haley for the opportunity and abruptly leaves. Sometime later, Sharon reveals to Haley that Andrew has had committed suicide by leaping from the roof of a church while he was shouting gibberish. The power cuts out again, plunging the building into darkness as the noises resume, resume from the casket. 
At one point, the casket suddenly and noticeably jerks in her direction, terrifying her. Trying to leave, Haley discovers the front doors are chained shut. Returning to the viewing room, she finds the casket tipped over, open, and empty. She's attacked by Andrew's reanimated corpse, but because the top of his head is missing, it cannot see her. Hiding behind the casket, she finds the top of Andrew's head. Haley is able to temporarily distract Andrew by playing viewing music, uh, viewing room music via remote control, but Andrew's functional eye locks onto her, allowing the rest of the corpse to find Haley. Yes, As- just to clarify, it's like she realizes that it can't see, but it can hear. Yeah. But then the severed part of the head with the eye can see, and it sees her, and there's a connection between, you know, that the severed head piece and the the rest of the body. Yes. As it attacks, the storm, which has escalated into a tornado, strikes the funeral home as the camera cuts out. After it passes, Haley has been possessed by Andrew's spirit, rises and crawls through the window into the surrounding area. Uh, okay, what do you think of The Empty Wake, Mike? Um, this one has a more workmanlike quality, I would say, in mm-hmm. terms of the directing. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. There's nothing... No, there's nothing reinventing the wheel either. This story of this one, I feel, it needs more development or less development. Yeah, I'm gonna interrupt it, and say yeah. that is my biggest criticism for this one as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's kind of like this would be more effective if it was shorter. There yeah. was no weird Hungarian guy. Yep. There was no kind of like logic to how this guy died if it was just like, oh, this corpse came back to life and is stalking this girl around a funeral home. It's simple enough. It's not it wouldn't like blow anybody's hair back, but I think it would be cleaner. I agree. Um, Completely ins- agree. Instead, we get caught in this kind of no man's land where there's supposed to be some kind of lore, but none of it makes any fucking sense. Yeah. And so you're just you're kind of left wanting more. Yeah, yeah. You want like either an a more overt like connection to the two bosses at the funeral home that leave her right. there. It's like, are they in on it? Mm-hmm. What exactly? Yeah, or less. I think you're totally right. This one, uh, although I think it's cool, mm-hmm. there's cool parts. It just kind of overstays its welcome, and yeah. there's not doing all that much with its runtime, and would be better shorter. Or like you said, just with more explanation as to what exactly mm-hmm. is going on. Because um, then like when the corpse does reveal itself, it looks cool. Like it's it's yeah. a, it's a nice it's a, effect. It is. It's well done. The um the eye on the like the the half head on the ground is mm-hmm. pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but then yeah, she she just gets attacked and I guess turns into a zombie herself or something, and you're just kind of like, okay, well that doesn't really yeah tie into anything i've seen thus far it's not like sort of like a monkey's paw thing where you're like oh well she did this that's why it's like that yeah um yeah yeah this is this is the first like and and to me this is kind of the beginning of the trend so to speak where it's like my qualm with the movie if there is one is it's just like a lot of things that could be a little better i feel like if a little bit more thought had gone into it yeah um and you know i kind of feel 
here's the there's this dynamic with like any podcast like this right or any kind of criticism where it's like this stuff is really hard to do so just being me sitting at my desk in my office and being like they should have done this and it needed more of this it's like but i will say this when it comes to story that's the cheapest thing you've got yeah yeah right it's the only thing that doesn't cost any money Especially if you're writing it yourself, which is what Simon Barrett is, which I think every one of these directors wrote their own segment. And it's like, you know, that's the one thing that Simon Barrett could have just spent as much time as he wanted trying to tighten this thing up or just figure out how this story could work a little bit better. Yeah. And and that's what it's lacking, I think. And so not to say that, like, he's deserving of great criticism. It's just like, I think that there's, you extend a little bit, I, I extend a little bit more grace when it comes to anything technical, anything with the production of the movie, whether it's budget or time or actors or anything else. But with story, it's like, hey, you know, that's, that is in your hands to a certain degree. Yes, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, like page often page count, translates to time on screen Mm -hmm. and it's if you're making a low budget thing it does behoove you to like trim the fat so that you're not wasting money on like an extra shoot day if it all adds up to that you know what i mean um and then also the editing process is more time consuming so it's like yeah it's one of those things like it i mean i it's easy to play Monday morning quarterback with it, but it's like, I, I feel like you could see on the page what was, mm-hmm. what's working, what's not working. Yeah. Um, and it makes you wonder about, is there a quota? You know, I'm sure there is, there's gotta mm-hmm. be a runtime quota that everybody has to hit. Right. Yeah. I mean, but I was a little bit disappointed when I fired this one up and I'd already seen it, but like it was an hour and 45 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, I, I really wish it was more like closer to an hour and a half. Yeah, that's, you know, whatever. That's that's a shitty criticism, but it's more ex- for me at this point in yeah. my life. It's more exciting when I turn on a 90 minute movie than a, a two hour movie. Agreed. Yeah. With something, especially with something like this, which is an anthology like, OK, VHS viral feels spare only because the frame narrative sucks. So yeah. you're not even thinking of it as a segment, really. And then it's like, okay, so we just get three segments. And it's like, that's, those are a little short considering how many there are. But something like this, which has, you know, a, a full extra segment. And I think, you know, not to give too much away, but, you know, I think, I think the frame narrative at least is an improvement over viral here, if nothing else. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So it's like, it doesn't feel like we need more pieces. And like you're saying, at an hour 45, you know, I don't have any time notes for storm drain. If anything, I think there should maybe be another 90 minutes, seconds or two minutes of, of, of developing that story. Yeah. So take, you know, take those two minutes away from the empty wake, take another three minutes away. And all of a sudden your movie's an hour and 42 minutes. And this thing, I think it just works better. Yeah. All right. Moving on to uh Holy hell interlude two. Back in the framing story, the officers discover body parts strewn across the floor, mannequins in the toilet stalls, and in upside down in upside down crosses hang from the ceiling of various rooms. Panic, they plan to exit the building. Uh, as an unknown voice states, "Forever" starts right now. 
a television begins to play footage from a bizarre laboratory. Again, not much happening in the in terms of plot, mm-hmm. but also but continues to be visually interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then the subject, written and directed by Timo Jahan, uh, Tajanto. How do you say it? Jajanto. 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 Somewhere in Indonesia, a man wakes up to find his body gone and replaced by mechanical s- spider legs. <laughs> Did I lose? Yeah. I'm losing. I'm. I can hear you. Okay, I'm back. You were always here, buddy. No, me had blipped. Okay. Uh, mechanical spider legs. He falls from his restraints and catches fire, which is soon extinguished by Dr. James. I'm not going to even pretend to pronounce that. A deranged scientist who desires to create a successful mechanical human hybrid using kidnapped humans as guinea pigs. He carries out a lobotomy on a young woman with the initials SA, referred to as Subject 99, using a circular saw and sedates a, rest- in rest- and sedates a restrained young man referred to as Subject 98, after he wakes up early. Both experiments are successful. Subject 98 becomes a large robot with spring-powered blades for arms, and SA becomes a functioning cyborg that responds to speech. The rest of the tape is most presented, mostly presented from her point of view. James celebrates SA's success with a new... Oh, sorry. Let's take a deep take breath. breath. Take a breath. You're good. You're great. James celebrates SA's success as a news report states that a rash of recent disappearances are driving wedges between the police and the public. James is suspected of kidnapping his patients, and SA's old self is shown on screen. James remarks on how she still recognizes her old appearance. James attempts to wipe SA's memories. SA wakes up during the procedure and hits James before attempting to undo her restraints. James beats S.A. repeatedly with a metal tray and her battery life drops before he is interrupted by a knock on the door. A a team of heavily armored police officers have arrived to arrest James. James throws a blanket over S.A. as the officers break in. As the tape cuts to the feed of Jono, the timid officer assigned with recording the raid. After the commander confirms that James is their suspect, the police shoot him dead and begin hunting the lab for survivors. They discover S.A. and argue over S.A. and argue over whether she should be killed or kept alive as she is not classified as human anymore, despite technically being a survivor. A sudden blackout occurs in the lab and Jono witnesses S.A. escape but does not say anything. Another officer attempts to shoot the door lock and free the group, but triggers an explosion, and the group come to, and as the group come to, an alarm begins to sound, and James's contingency plan begins. Over a speaker, James states that his creation is his is his alone, and that those who try to take it from him shall die. Subject ninety eight awakens and slaughters most of the soldiers. Jono and the commander survive after the commander hurls a grenade at ninety eight. S.A. comes to and flees through the building, being shot at by the surviving officers and chased by 98. She locks herself in a small office room and and finds blueprints for her cyborg body and cannon arm along with the upper half of her head and face preserved in a jar of formaldehyde. She approaches a mirror and sees her new form for the first time. 
Enraged, she punches the mirror and breaks it. After leaving the room and coming across more of James' failed experiments, S.A. finds and equips the cannon arm and fights her way through the building, slaughtering any soldiers she comes across in self-defense. She discovers Jono behind a door and spares him after he begs for his life and promises to help her out of the lab. Suddenly, the commander appears and shoots S.A. before beating her. Jono grabs a gun and shoots the commander dead before being attacked by Subject 98. With her battery critically low, S.A. uses the last of her strength to tear out 98's brain, killing it. She collapses next to a heavily injured Jono, and her battery finally dies. The tape cuts to a security camera, which shows S.A. standing up on her own accord, escaping the lab. Whew, that one was about as long as the feature films we uh, recap, so <laughs> yeah, quite a mouthful. While I'm recovering, why don't you tell me what you thought of the subject? Sure. Um, okay. I think... I I had I have mixed to positive feelings about it. Um I think it is in a very different way from the last segment. It is it is still grappling with story and how mm-hmm. much how much story and plot it should have. And I think you know Jajanto here, he errs on the side of caution, which we were advocating for, which is there is less, I think there is less lore that you have to worry about here. It's more straightforward, but it's long. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, instead of feeling like, you know, oh, this needs more development, similarly to to the, the wake uh, what's it called the empty wake mm-hmm. it's like this should be half as long as it is this is it's just like i think there's just so much and and the thing is it's you know so this is for anybody who's forgotten this is the same director writer who worked on the big cult one from vhs2 i forget what the name is yes um, um which we liked a lot um, uh safe haven safe haven thank you but it's like this one's a little bit more sci-fi. It's a little, I think it edges into some kind of like anime tropes and stuff. Yes. Um, kind of the mecha meets the, even something like uh, what's uh, Tetsuo, right? Yeah. The Iron Man. And there's not enough happening. And so what it becomes is it's just this like parade of violence, um, which is well done. But this brings me to my other qualm, which is, I and I mentioned this before, this one just aesthetically does not fit in with the other movies. Yeah, yeah. It is just, it's so unmistakably high definition video that it, for me, it kind of shatters the illusion. Like you get pulled in, you, you know, with all the segments of this outside of this one, you're like, oh yeah, this is fun. 1994, it's got like a real kind of lo-fi vibe and then this one is just like no this is like fucking 4k um and there's just like a little bit of an effect on it but it's not even a real like a vhs effect so yeah so so it kind of sticks out a little bit in that respect um yeah but i think i think you know overall there's so much visual creativity that this guy obviously has and he has a facility with action and with violence 
but again, it's like in service of what? I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm gonna quickly let my dog out of the room. Sorry, I apologize. Okay, you didn't. <laughs> Eric chose not to do that at any point while I was speaking for the last three minutes, but it was fast at least, and he's back now. He's putting his headphones in. Okay, here I'm back. Okay. Um. So yeah, we continue to be very boring in that we almost <laughs> completely line up in our thoughts on this one. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I um, my memory of it from the last time I saw it, it was that it has a ton of a very obvious VFX. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it does. <laughs> it, it has a ton of VFX, which is like you know whatever. It it is what it is. It's just kind of like a a reality of modern day filmmaking. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it would really benefit from a VHS overdub. Like just yes, to kind definitely. of smooth some of that smooth stuff out. out. Yeah. Cause I also wrote like, it looks like a video game in parts. A hundred percent. I would say it looks like a video game most of the time. Yeah. It really does feel like you're playing a video game. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, you hit it where it's like, this one needs to be shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely is more annoying than the other segments in terms <laughs> yeah. of like there's a lot of noise and screeching yeah and gunfire and screaming uh and it's so yeah it just kind of starts to overstay its welcome yeah but i do think i mean this isn't i sound like i'm really trashing it there's some really cool ideas like there mm-hmm. like the whole idea of like leaving your your past self you're in this new form now yeah when she sees what she's become it's like gross and horrifying there's like a fun body horror element to it all Mm -hmm. um but yeah my biggest thing is that it just kind of overstays its welcome yeah yeah and i think um yeah the ideas are kind of interesting and it is one of those things where i don't i think this one suffers a little bit from being found footage in a way yeah yeah in a way that most of the others don't necessarily yeah because it's just so hard to develop these characters when it's POV video. Yeah. You know, it's just it's more of a challenge, right? If it's if it's found footage in the sense like it like the newscast stuff is perfect, right? Because a a found footage newscast, you already have this artifice of like we're filming someone, right? So it's much easier to have a character on camera and just have that kind of unfold in a more traditional storytelling way. But mm-hmm. with this, part of the reason it feels so much like a video game is because it's shot like an FPS video game. Yes, it's first it person. And so the only way you really get to develop this, the character and the story is in this like video game style of like, I'm going to go into this room and discover this thing that has some mm-hmm. facts, right? And then I'm going to hear a recording of somebody giving me exposition. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it doesn't really feel very filmic, I think. And, and yeah, I think it just suffers for that. Um, so, yeah, it's it's like, it's, it's uh, I would say it's, it's great craft, uh, but really kind of lacking just in terms of, again, it's like, why, why, why are we here? <laughs> what is yeah. this? What is this for? All right, back to Holy Hell Interlude 3. In the framing story, it is shown that Nash and uh, Petro have killed Gary and kidnapped Spivey. As the rest of the team frantically search for him, Nash states, forever starts right now in front of a wall of TV screens. 
Slater pages his missing teammates over his radio, and Petro states that he should try not to lose his head. Slater suddenly collapses and enters a trance in front of one of the screens, which proceeds to display footage of a snowy fortified militia enclosure. So the plot is certainly now advancing in this segment. Um, mm-hmm. Although we don't really know the connection until this following segment. Yeah. But we finally but, have a reveal of some antagonists. Here. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just to be clear, Nash and Petro, those are the two female members. of the Yeah, team. the two women. Yeah. Uh, so then we have Terror, written and directed by Ryan Prowse. The first Patriots Movement Militia are a white supremacist extremist group that are currently plotting to blow up a local government building in a bid to take back America. It is shown that they live in a well-secured compound in a deserted area somewhere in Detroit, Michigan. The compound has a room for security cameras, as well as a heavily protected small room covered in wooden crosses. In the latter room, a man is chained up and kept prisoner. Bob, the group's cameraman, Greg, the group's leader, and Chuck, a a group member, enter the room. The man pleads for his life, and Greg shoots him at point-blank range. The film cuts to one of the group's propaganda videos where Greg explains that the group intends to purge evil from America. Members of the group set out in a car and drive past the building which they plan to blow up, surveying the site for security cameras and possible entry points. Back at the compound, Slater uh, from the framing segment arrives to supply guns and ammunition to the group, asking if they have tested the creature. So there we have Slater from the previous segment. Mm-hmm. It is shown that the group regularly shoots the man who is revealed to be a vampire and siphon his blood, which becomes explosive when exposed to sunlight. Planning to use said blood instead of a bomb. Wanting to, and this thing is really explosive too. Like, yeah, it's bomb like in its yeah. e- efficacy. Wanting to test if their plan works, they inject a rabbit with some of the vampire's blood and cage it. When the sun rises, the vampire, I'm sorry, the rabbit explodes. I guess it would be a vampire at that point. Vampire, yeah, it's banicula. Yeah, it is banicula. In celebration, the group drink heavily and party. Bob enters the compound and visits Steve, who is sitting in the security camera room. The pair visit the vampire's corpse, and Bob goads Steve into kissing it. The head falls forward and showers Steve in blood as Bob laughs. The next morning, an emergency bell rings and alerts the members of the group. Greg berates Jimmy, who was supposed to be on duty, guarding the compound. Jimmy runs towards a body behind the truck, discovering it to be Terry, his neck having been badly gored. Suddenly... Crashes come from inside the compound, and the group realize they are missing Steve. Greg calls for Steve, just as a severed head is thrown out of the compound entrance, uh, as roars sound from inside. A member begins firing a truck-mounted machine gun on the compound, losing control due to the sway and killing some of the group in the process, and is shot in the head by Tom when he is unable to stop. Steve then stumbles out of the compound, covered in vampire blood, promptly exploding once he steps into the daylight. The remaining members of the group, Greg, Tom, Bob, and Jimmy, vow to kill the vampire. They enter the compound and discover the creature hiding in the attic. It tears off Tom's face and Greg shoots wildly at it. In the attic, the vampire kills Jimmy by slamming his head on the floor repeatedly and Bob shoots it. 
missing and shooting Greg in the leg. He shoots at it, I should say. Bob is attacked by the vampire, dying after his face is bitten off. Greg, repeating the phrase, Christ is king, is dragged by the vampire into the cage. Then it opens the attic window and lets in sunlight, causing the vampire to explode in the compo- compound to be destroyed. All right. Um, so what's, what's going on at the end there? What do you mean? Like, okay, so why does the vampire open the attic window? To kill him, to blow himself up next to the the militia guy. So it's it's a suicide thing. Yeah, it's like a suicide thing. Never heard of a vampire committing suicide before. That's true. They don't typically. Yeah, I, I wonder about that because, um, like, is he? Because they repeatedly shoot him in the head, and he yeah. re- regenerates. So it's not really ever made clear if like he's being driven mad by that shit mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. If, like what the deal is that's sort of like my interpretation of it is like he's like suffered so much that he okay. just like i don't know it's not made clear okay other than that though um this in my memory of watching this movie for the, for the first time was the standout segment mm-hmm. for me and i think continues to be the standout segment for me i just think it's a ton of fun um and a cool idea in my opinion of the whole like explosive vampire blood mm-hmm. and using that as a bomb. I think it's like really fun. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like that before. Um, and it is always fun to take the piss out of militia men and just like <laughs> sure. see them be killed yeah. one, one by one at the end. Uh, what do you think of this one? Um, I mean, well, you know, this might be the one where we have the most, uh, disagreement, although I wouldn't even call it that. It's just, uh, I think it was bad. Here's here's what my, my note that I wrote down as I was watching it was topical, but why? And I think what's missing is just any it's it's like it's using the militia guys as just a they're like an avatar, right? There's not really much of a like the like there's like there's this sort of religious angle but then it's also like but they're the vampire thing it kind of feels like a little shoehorned in mm. in terms of like what you know i i think i think it's a great idea to use especially like in the wake of january 6th to use like these militia patriots as as you know a plot device but then it's like well okay so why are we using them like what is it like can we thematically can we insert anything into this to just make it feel justified and not so much of it just like ripped from the headlines like oh that would be good characters militia guys right Mm. um i also feel like this one uh it lost me the most often we'll put it that way yeah just in terms of like of, of like understanding exactly what was going on uh interesting part of that could be my fault but like for instance, I until I finished and went back and read the Wikipedia synopsis of this segment, I thought it was doing like a Rashomon thing where we kept seeing different people Oh really? Recording them shooting the guy in the head. Right? Because I felt like there's just like there's a little bit of cha- chaotic sort of um 
you know, it's like it's like broken into these pieces, right? Where it's like, okay, they go, they shoot the guy, and then we see a propaganda video, right? Then uh, I think we see them test the blood, and then we're back in the same room with the guy, and someone's shooting the guy in the head again with a shotgun. Yeah. And it's like, it's not, uh, I think, a failing in terms of the script so much as it's just like there's a kind of a repetition to it where I was like, oh, I guess are they showing this from different people's perspectives? Um, because I didn't understand why we kept going back to the same thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and again, I think, I think it's like this one, it's less like I have a list of the things that are wrong with it. And it's more just like, I, it's just didn't quite connect with me. Huh? It's interesting to me what you just described. Cause mm. I did not, that was never an issue with me mm-hmm. watching it. Like mm-hmm. the, like being confused about the repetition. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's certain, I mean, you know, maybe the first time he appears back on camera, I was like, Oh, is that the same guy? Yeah. And then, but then I think after that, that's where like the mystery of like what's happening starts. And, mm-hmm. and so I don't know. I, I, I know that you want <laughs> not to blow up your spot, no. but you finished the movie right before we started recording. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that had anything to, do with it but um i think for me the uh i've always i've always been fascinated by the oklahoma city bombing I actually just sure. read like a book about it this summer mm-hmm. uh, and so immediately when the segment started i was like and they're like you know surveilling the building I'm like oh okay that's the reference point mm-hmm. here and i just had a lot of fun with yeah you know you you're saying like well what's the point um, I don't know. I don't know if I can really say what the point is other than it's fun to watch white supremacists die. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think yeah. maybe ask like makes you ask bigger questions of like, well, are they, I mean, they're not, I don't, I don't know if they actually ever say they're white supremacists and you just kind of like gather from some of their imagery. Right, oh, they right. use like German. Um, yeah. He calls them air commandant. At air point. commandant. Yeah. So you can kind of like read between the lines a little bit, but also the vampires are monsters. So I don't know, like, you know what the, exactly the point, are they like persecuting vampires who are peaceful? Like they, you just never know. You, they, right, it's like not right. something that's mm-hmm. like ever answered. But I think the, the, the time spent watching them be buffoons and then yeah. die in buffoonish ways is really fun. Um, yeah, yeah it's kind of like I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know that I have much more of a defense other than like I really had fun with it. I don't think you need to defend it at all. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I don't feel like you're putting my you know feet to the fire here. No, I. I just. I think like maybe my journey with it was I felt similarly to you when we get introduced to the this extremist group. I'm like, oh, this will be interesting, and then I kind of feel like their identity as extremists and militiamen is never explored beyond just having them introduced as like, sure yeah that's yeah. who these guys are but then the rest of this is them having a vampire prisoner and blowing and like testing bombs and then getting killed by the vampire yeah and and so again to your point it's like yeah you don't necessarily need more than that i was just kind of disappointed that i didn't get more sure uh from you know even even it, Here's what I think it's lacking, maybe, is last last week, the standout segment was uh, the Parallel Worlds one, right? Yeah, 
Yeah. And one of the things that I complimented that segment on was having a really tight little kind of Twilight Zone-esque yeah. story and, and not even necessarily a moral. It was just neat, right? And I think that's what I would have loved to get from this is like, could they even just have any kind of thematic comeuppance, right? Yeah, totally. I think that's also just a criticism I would level against almost the entirety of the series. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. like, <clears throat> Parallel Monsters stands out so much as being like this you know, Twilight Zone-ish thing. Yeah. Um, and that's really cool. Like, it, I know they wish, I wish more were connected. Or yeah. Not, connected is not a, the right word. I wish more were, like, clever in that way. Yeah, or just had kind of a little bit of a, uh, what's the word I would use? But just, like, cir- it's not quite circular, but, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know, know what you mean. Yeah. Like, it's something that, like, I related to like actually when talking about the empty wake mm-hmm. was that i wish like you know she gets turned into a, a zombie or whatever at the end but there's nothing that really like sets that up at the beginning like mm-hmm. you want some sort of internal logic story logic yeah yeah absolutely of like something some sort of callback and that's why like something like creep show works so well because you're going off that ec comics model where those are like morality tales yeah absolutely you know? it's really and straightforward it, it's really straightforward and vhs doesn't seem to be as concerned with that maybe maybe amateur night does that yeah a bit. amateur night i think yeah i think you're right um but it, i realized while watching these that i like that i like mm. that sort of like morality tale or yeah. it doesn't even have to be a morality tale it's just some sort of connection yeah yeah absolutely Metaphor, is there a little yeah. self-contained story yeah and i think like emphasis on self-contained does it begin and end in a way that feels like introductory and climactic yeah and and is it resolved in some way um and i think you're right i think that this series to date is just not really story focused yes you know it's sort of like the opposite of black mirror yes right where it's like black mirror to me and it's funny we haven't really talked about it at all yet. I mean, it is no. sci-fi and not horror for the most part. But it's like Black Mirror can be repetitive, I think, in the way that everything is a moral lesson, yes. right? Um, but it's also like, well, if you just if you were to just sit down and watch like 3 good episodes of Black Mirror, you'd be like, this is incredible. And then you watch all of them and you're like, okay, this is like yeah, yeah. Yeah, wears on you after a while. Yeah. yeah. Whereas this, it's, you know, yeah, Parallel Worlds really does stand out as being something with the kind of story structure that feels um, fully realized and self-contained. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the vampire design? Because also, for me, the first time you see it, like, reveal its mm-hmm. monstrous self, yeah. I thought it was really cool. And then yeah. kind of, like, as it goes on, you see it from different angles it it doesn't look as good and it's pretty confusing to look at (laughs) yeah so yes initial introduction i was like oh this is great and it felt very 90s it felt very much like a late era prosthetic monster uh reminded me a little bit of like something you would have seen in tales from the crypt demon knight or um you know just as like prosthetics were kind of in their final glory days of Mm -hmm. getting really complicated before they got phased out. Um, 
But I agree. It's like, so I see it for the first time and I'm like, awesome. And then it opens up and it goes to bite this guy's face off. And then I was like, oh, well, when it interacts with other things, you can kind of really tell how much of just like a rubber mask it is. Yeah. Because it like it what what was missing from that. And it's like the way it like kind of opens. It's weird. It's like his whole face has been blown open and turned into jaws almost with like teeth. And it latches on this guy's face and rips the skin off his face and that should be awesome but it feels very um it, it's like you want to see the teeth dig in and then rip flesh out you want to see the jaws clamp and instead it's kind of like it's like you, it, it's like it looks like you took a really elaborate rubber mask and then just sort of brushed it across a guy's face you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. doesn't have the articulating jaws you want it to have or that sort of thing and yeah and i think confusing is the right way to put it it's like it's almost better when you only see glimpses of it because you don't have time to process the whole thing. Because once you do have time, you go, oh, it's not just because I only saw it for a second. It is sort of confusing to look at. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, all right. So then moving into the final uh, Holy Hell segment. Let me pull that back up. Here it is. The majority of the SWAT team are now dead, their eyes having been gouged out. Slater is tied to a chair by Petro and Nash, who rebuke him for supplying the militia in the previous video with guns. The women explain that they are members of the snuff-slash-fetish film cult that has been operating out of the warehouse, where they, are, where they create and distribute videotapes depicting animal cruelty, cannibalism, and other shocking acts of violence. Slater is told that he will be their final kill for this video, whereupon Petro beats him to death with a video camera. As the film ends, Petro and Nash believe this will be their best tape yet, with the former wondering what to call it. It cuts to VHS. 94. So, finally, the Holy Hell segments come to a close. What did you think about that? Woof. This one lands with a thud. I Um, agree. Yeah, so I hear here in brief are my notes on it, and then, Eric, I'd love to hear more of your thoughts. Um, no answers to anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you wanted to know what the sticky goo was, sorry, you're shit out of luck. If you want to know exactly how or why these folks are having their eyes gouged, gouged out, you're, you're not going to be to- told or shown that. Right. Um, it seems like there's something supernatural happening, but then the reveal is that just these two cops are part of a snuff film ring. Yeah. Uh, they simultaneously want to pass moral judgment on Slater for selling guns to the militia, but they're literally making animal cruelty, cannibalism, and snuff films yeah. and distributing them. The acting is very bad from all three of the actors. Mm-hmm. It's just very unsatisfying uh, and uh, unfortunate. Uh, yeah, so I don't know that I have even much more to say other than I completely agree. It's just like all this mystery that has been built up mm-hmm. uh, with like the cult, what we were watching. It's like like the goo, all that stuff. It's like right. it, none of it's explained. And mm-hmm. the explanation is pretty lame. I yeah. just wish it was something else that was like even religious. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, what if now the ritual is complete in a giant in like a fucking weird monster sure. steps out of a portal. I don't yeah, know. Anything. Even if it was just a re yeah, a repeat of an old idea, it's least, well, at least it kind of, 
has a conclusion, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's not, and like you said, the performances too, all of a sudden, like they're never, this segment's not like expertly acted, but I feel Mm -hmm. like in this one particularly, yeah, it's just like really takes a step down. It's a big, yeah, it's a big shift and you're like, oh man, this is like, these, these are bad, bad performances now. And like they reveal like these white clothes they're wearing, and like mm-hmm. one of them puts on a tie, and yeah. like, it looks stupid. Yeah, and she's like, "We wear white suits," and it's like, "Okay, what? Why?" Yeah, yeah. No answers. Nothing. No. So yeah. I agree. Like it, it's disappointing because I, you know, this is no sp- spoiler with the rankings of these series mm. exactly, but it is one of the better framing se- segments we've watched. It has the most so potential. Far. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing is it's like it really almost makes it sting more is that it's like that's true. It's like frittered away the potential. Well, do you want to talk about our personal rankings of these segments? Yeah, definitely. Starting from the bottom and working our way up. And we're not going to count the veggie masher. That's just a bonus segment. Yeah. Um, For me, I I was waffling between the two. Mm hmm. Uh, but I think I'm going to go with Holy Hell in number five. I agree. Yeah, I do yeah. think because uh, I was thinking about it. I was like, is this so to date? We've done four of the six movies. And unless I'm mistaken, the frame narrative has landed as the least uh, liked of all four movies. Right. Yes, I agree. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Ha- <laughs> Come on, ninety nine, eighty five. Let's the uh, give give us something. I'm, I don't I mean, think ninety nine has a frame narrative. Weird. I looked at the Wikipedia page. I mean, also maybe they were just like, hmm, they are always bad. Maybe yeah. we should just not do one. But I know eighty five does have one, okay. so I don't know. Okay, yeah. interesting. Um, so then uh, number four. Mm-hmm. Is it my turn to go first. <sighs> yeah, you go first. Which um, because I got to think about this yeah. a little bit more. This is a little tricky. It uh, is. I mean, let's just walk through my thought process, I guess. Um, Empty Wake is just kind of meh. The subject is a little bit too much. Yeah. that's um, Those are the two that I'm also switching between. Yeah. I didn't like Terror as much as Eric, but one thing I didn't get around to saying about Terror is it is, I do think as, as a found footage piece, it's the best looking, it feels the most like, this is just a collection of a bunch of dudes were using VHS camcorders to record each other. Yeah. Um, it feels very authentic from a found footage perspective and listening to Eric, you talk about what you liked about it. I think even if I didn't connect with all of those ideas, I think it definitely elevated it over these other two for me now. Mm. So I will say that I think I'm going to go with the wake, the empty wake, just because there's more like the subject is just a more Im- impressive achievement. Even if I don't think it works any better than the empty wake does, mm-hmm. it took a lot more to make that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's, but they're pretty close, but I'll go with the empty wake as my number four. Yeah. That's what I had written for my, like, you know, before we started recording and I'll stick with that empty wake number four. But again, like I want to, clarify maybe other than holy hell mm-hmm. I mean, and even holy hell i don't and this i think the empty wake is still fun like i still think it's decent 
You I agree. I mean? Yeah, and it has it, it has potential to be even better. Yes. With some with some adjustments. Yeah. Uh so then number 3 we have I think we're probably both in agreement here mm-hmm. the subject. Yeah. And we've already kind of made our piece about that. It's 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 less I wish it took a less is more approach. Yeah, and I would say tonally it's the odd duck with yes. everything. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh so then number 2 Mike uh what do you have? Uh, probably no surprise. This all have terror is my number two. Um, obviously I had issues with it, but my issues, like none of them are damning things. None of them are stuff where it's like, it makes it bad. They're all just things where it's like, I don't know how I feel about this, that, or the other thing. But I think that the, uh, the direction is strong. I think that the acting is effective. I think as an overall idea, it's interesting. And yeah, it's just kind of like I wish I wish they managed to land the plane a little bit cleaner. But all all together, it's 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 a uh, it's it's pretty good. Um, I think my number two and number one are pretty close. So um, it's but for me, I have number two as Storm Drain. Mm. Although I would say I really did. I liked it. I I think I liked it the first time I saw it. I liked it Mm -hmm. even more the second time I saw it, which means uh, my number one is Terror. Um, just because I think it's just so much fun. Um, that's kind of, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with, with some of the criticisms that mm-hmm. you had with it, but I don't know, whatever. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. I had fun watching it. Oh, that's good. Uh, so then you have Storm Drain, number one. Yeah. And it's interesting because I would say that Storm Drain is my number one, if for no, I think I think in part because I think it's I think it's the most fun of all of mm-hmm. these. Yeah, I um, also think I also think it's really fun too. Yeah, I think I think just the Ratman Ratma thing is it's just an entertaining uh, monster to have. It's it's a kind of a fun premise. What without being completely goofy. Yeah, uh, I do think that the acting from. It's, her name is Anna Hopkins, who plays Holly, the newscaster. I do think she is maybe the strongest lead of any of these segments. Yeah. Because um, she just, she doesn't reinvent the wheel. She just, like, I think effectively plays a newscaster in this situation. It's like you were saying before with the casting, and sometimes it's just feeling like it's a bunch of 25-year-olds play acting. This one, it, I really never questioned it's like oh yeah i would totally buy into the the fantasy that this is this is a real newscaster doing this thing yeah excellent uses of practical sets they just shot they shot this in a storm drain in in toronto you know um which it's like you can't get better production value than that just taking a crew with a uh, a running gun crew into a storm drain and i think that yeah there is still room for improvement this is not a like hands down classic because I do think it's missing a little bit in terms of the story, but unfortunately, I think I don't think that there's any segment in this movie that does it any better. Um, mm. So yeah, this this one, uh, uh, unlike unlike yourself, I think this was this was like a a no hesitation for me. I, I was this this was definitely my favorite. Yeah, it's it's really good, and I, I I um, it being at number two, it's like maybe it's like a quarter of a star difference between sure. the two for me. Yeah, 
All right. So in the storm drain, we're talking deaths here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff gets his face melted off by Ratman puke. The news anchor gets his face melted off by uh, Holly puking. Um, I guess she's embodied by Ratma. Mm-hmm. The empty wake, Mr. Edwards is already dead, but he falls apart in a cool way as he walks around. Mm, his guts fall out. Yeah. And then Haley's killed off camera. In the subject, uh, we got the guy who's hooked into spider legs who catches on fire. Uh, the doctor's gunned down in a VFX blaze of glory. Uh, a cop gets killed in it, cops get killed in a booby trap explosion. Another is run through by the cyborg sword and cut in half. Another is sliced. Another gets his head diced, and another gets his neck scissored. An experiment uh, the experimented upon woman. An experimented upon woman is put out of her misery. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one who's on the table that yep. SA talks to. A SWAT guy gets shot with an arm gun. And so begins a string of cops getting killed, and it looks like a video game. Uh, two get grenade la- launched, uh, gr- like grenade launchered apart. Mm-hmm. A SWAT team fuck gets his pipe jammed through his cheeks. A SWAT team fuck. I don't know why I wrote that. I mean, he was a dick. Um, the main cop gets shot by the pacifist cop. The pacifist cop gets killed by the cyborg guy. But uh, the then the cyborg gets guy gets brain. killed by our girl, gets his brain ripped out. Yeah. In holy hell, Gary, the SWAT team guy, is killed off camera. In terror, a guy gets shot in the head, execution style, repeatedly. But he doesn't really die. He's the vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looks cool. A rabbit explodes. Terry's fucking dead. Uh, he's just dead on the ground. One gets their head thrown uh, out of the building. It's like bowling with a head, mm-hmm. basically. A dude stupidly guns down two guys with a large caliber gun and then himself gets shot in the back of the head. A guy covered in vampire blood steps into the light and explodes. Um, Another gets his face bitten off by a vampire. He kills another guy uh, by slamming his head against the ground. Then he kills the camera guy, then blows himself up next to the leader of the militia. And then finally Slater in Holy Hell gets beat to death with a camera. Mike, what was your favorite death? Um, my favorite was TV anchor Mark getting acid barfed on, on the news. Yeah. That's also, I mean, kind of, there's no competition. Uh, (laughs) that's also my favorite. It's awesome. It's the best one in in the movie. It's very fun. And it, it does a thing that I always really like in horror movies, which is, uh, something horrible happening in what feels like it should be a very, um, non-threatening situation yes um it's like makes it more shocking and 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 interesting i will say even though it's it is a real vfx overload that in the subject there are a handful of cyborg kills that do they are very well done and they are and they're kind of those are fun as well like when he's like scissoring people's bodies in half with his big knife arms and stuff uh, yeah. Well, that brings us into our next segment. Zombie thumbs up or down? Is this movie gory, Mike? Zombie thumbs up. Yes, it is gory for sure. And then ghost thumbs up or down? Is this movie scary? Is it trying to be scary? And does it succeed? Um, not really. It's not. It's not very scary. No, I would say most of the segments skew towards, um action or mm-hmm. at least like 
or oddity or oddity sort of, yeah. yeah not really like scary edgier seat yeah. kind of stuff or well chilling. so like holy hell wants to be cronenberg-esque and it's like sort of unsettlingness i think it fails for the yeah, most yeah, part i agree too i think empty wake is the only one that's trying to be yeah and, and the second half of the terror or like the climax of the terror wants to be scary and i think it is to a degree yeah storm drain is very tense yeah uh and i think that's what it's trying to do it's building tension and i think it does that effectively through parts and but then it has like a, a comedic ending it does yeah. yeah and the empty wake is the only one that kind of plays it straight with wanting to be scary the whole time and it is sporadically successful yeah but yeah i would say overall is the whole movie trying to be scary not so much and i agree and also it do- it isn't but in part because it's not trying so hard so ghost thumbs down not a scary movie and finally snow job i gotta say this quietly because i'm upstairs yeah i i i I, some snow jobs in utah this week good for you from the snow (laughs) uh snow job Uh i don't know why i said that one quietly yeah that's an easy one blow job blow job (laughs) new sob blow job (laughs) what do you rate this um I can go first. Sure. I was, I've been thinking back to how much you shamed me for giving uh, <laughs> VHS 2 uh-huh. a new sob. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, like, I'm not going to say you're right. Okay. But. I don't expect you to. It's fine. I also, like, well, yeah, it does make me, because I'm obsessed with your Mike never gives things five stars on Letterboxd unless it's like the fucking Godfather. I just gave Stop Making Sense five stars. Oh, well, there you go. I mean, it's the great, universally known as the greatest concert film of all time. So I yeah, think actually he my, plays it safe. with my, uh, my, my updated review was, not quite sure why I was holding out on the last half star. This is the greatest concert movie ever made. So five stars. <laughs> Mike really like is afraid someone's going to look back on his like five star reviews and be like, this guy knows nothing about cinema. No, that and- is not true at all. My motivation is that if you give something five stars, there is no way to go up. Mm. So anything with five stars in theory can't really be better than anything else with five stars. So everything that I give five stars should be pretty much unassailable. I should not be able to criticize it in a meaningful way. But uh, the we we're on a three star uh, for lack of a better. We don't even do half really. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I'm going to stand by my VHS two. But now I'm in this position where I overall VHS two. I don't think I think I liked three of the five segments mm-hmm. and in this one i like four of the five segments mm-hmm. and even the one i don't like very much is like fine mm-hmm. so it's definitely in my opinion can't go down sure um but so is this yeah you only have two options here i only have two options yeah so i uh, i think all right that i'm not really talking about the movie itself which That's is okay i think most of these pieces are very fun Mm -hmm. and um certainly justify watching them i have my wife and i um although we didn't know vhs 99 existed we whenever we find out there's a new one coming out Mm -hmm. since this one we've been happy to like sit down during halloween time and watch them and you know sometimes they work sometimes they don't and i think this one i my my memory of it was that this one mostly worked and i really liked it and i think that 
stayed true on this uh, viewing. And I'll say I don't think I disliked any of the segments more than when I first watched it. And if anything, I liked Storm Drain more than when I first watched it. Okay. Um, so I think there's a lot of fun to be had on this if you're looking for an anthology horror series. Certainly within the series, you could do much worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go with... I'm going to give this one a new sob also. Okay. And uh, I wonder now what the next two will be like so I don't look like a fucking fool <laughs> handing out new sobs to Just everybody. Just You get a new sob. You yeah. get a new sob. Oh, totally. What say you? Um, well, I'm not quite as uh, boxed in as you right because i gave vhs2 a blowjob yes um, you did yeah. a really sloppy one too i seem to enjoy it um and so so i think that this is this is a little easier for me and and what i'll say is you know what i'm trying to use maybe as like my metric to hold these ratings up against it would be other horror anthologies right um so i was just trying to think about as you were talking i was like kind of ticking off in my head and i was thinking okay what would i give our three out of three stars to like what would get a new sob from me and off the top of my head i think i think the 1970s tales from the crypt um creep show for sure twilight zone the movie uh I forget what we I what did I give Cat's Eye? I probably gave Cat's Eye a two out of three, right? Um, I think you liked it more than I know you liked it more than I did. Okay, that one's on the fence, right? That would uh, Creep Show two would get a three out of three. I think I'd give Tales from the Hood a three out of three. That's maybe it uh, as far as anthologies that I've seen, and. I think that this is if if you added this to that group of movies, it would be last place on that list, mm-hmm. um, which that makes me feel like it's probably more of a blowjob to star affair for me. Um, like not one where I hesitate at all. I, I, it's 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 definitely worth checking out. I think mm-hmm. it's it's fun. Uh, it's sporadically effective. I initially went blowjob right off the bat because I was like, I think they can do better. Like, this is closer to pulling it off. But I think that within the structure of what a VHS movie is, the way they throw them together, kind of the vibe that they're going for, this is the one where I was like, I can see, I can see it. It's just like you tweak this and you do this and a little less of this, a little more of that. And then you've got like what I would just say unequivocally is like, this is a good horror anthology film. Right. Yeah. And I think this one just comes up a little bit short of that. So, so yeah, I'm going to give it a blowjob. Um, yeah, that, that's that's my feeling. Uh, not to not to beat a dead horse. I wonder, mm. too, if my having seen three of the six mm-hmm. and kind of. I don't want to give anything away. You know what's you know where eighty five is gonna go. I know where eighty five. I know my feelings in eighty five, and I suspect I. The fact that I hadn't heard of ninety nine makes mm-hmm. me think some things. Yeah, uh, and then so I don't know. Uh, all of that to say, I worry mm-hmm. that this is the best that we got. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean, like no, no, that was that was clear. 
yeah yeah from yeah. from from your trying not to spoil your feelings of VHS yeah yeah five. but i mean you know yeah. I, I haven't seen one and i'm sure happy to rewatch one i watched in october so mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah all right I, I i yeah i i feel pretty strongly about it also um just to throw this out there because it's not something we would ever cover i haven't finished the series and this is probably an unfair comparison but the Cabinet of Curiosities, the Guillermo del Toro Oh, yeah, I need to finish that, too. On Netflix. I still have to finish it. But from what I've seen, I would say that it is... That's a that's a, a three-star anthology mm. series. When I say it's a little bit unfair... There's a rat at, god in that one, too. I think... Yeah, there is. Graveyard Rats. I, I think if you look at the roster of directors for that series... Yes, yes, yes. These are professionals these are these are a lot of them are like true artists and and definitely like professional long-time working directors uh and also you know the resources are 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 much greater right you know you're talking multi-million dollar hour-long segments but but i was just looking at my list of anthologies and since i don't think it'll come up otherwise i'll I'll recommend it to people if you want if you want to know what would get a new sob from me that's come out in recent years that's that's something um so we have one more segment i want to say something that i didn't say during that because mm-hmm. we actually already recorded it my wife joins us yeah and it was fun we have a, a i thought it was very funny and fun um next week we're also going to be adding southbound to yes. our watch list because um that'll be our third segment next yes. week is a, yeah. is a discussion of of that movie yeah, so if you want to check that out along with us, feel free. It won't be as in depth as what we've done, no. you know. But I'm definitely probably. I'm very curious to see how it stacks up against the ones we've seen so far in these last couple, because it is such a natural pivot. I mean, Southbound, it's Radio Silence, it's Roxanne Benjamin, uh, it's David Bruckner. So it's really like, yeah, this might as well be a seventh VHS movie yeah. as far as who's involved with it. Yeah. So join us for that. And now we're going to take a quick break for you guys, but Mike and I are going to say goodbye. I'm going to make dinner. Okay. Well, Eric, I'll talk to you in just a minute. Yeah. Yeah, you will. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye until the third <laughs> segment. <laughs> Ouch. Oof. Tired of chipping your beautiful teeth on rock-hard vegetables? Introducing the Veggie Masher from Wonder Health. <laughs> With its patented frictionless compression technology, the Veggie Masher turns your ordinary drab vegetables into a tasty, mm, mouth-watering paste in mere seconds. Just mash and enjoy. With the Veggie Masher from Wonder Health, you can finally unleash the full vitamin and nutrient potential of carrots, broccoli, peppers, whatever these things are, peas, long peas. Uh, guys, I'm telling you, the list is endless. So why wait? Call this toll-free number and order now. The Veggie Masher from Wonder Health, a subsidiary of Megatech Pharmaceuticals. Okay, we're back. <laughs> it's very funny to me. Sorry. What's what's that, Eric? What's uh, so funny? We're back. So um, we have a special guest on the podcast right now to help us with our third segment. <laughs> it looks like they're going to make out. Hello. <laughs> it's my wife, Jessica. Hi, Jessica. Thanks for having me. Hi, Jess. Let's turn that game down a little bit. No, don't. They want to hear me. No, yeah, of course. Yeah, but I wanted to blow the mic out. <laughs> Mike, can you describe what you're seeing? Sure. Um, 
Eric and Jess are well. Eric is being uh, awkward about it now, so he's not in the position because he's not oh, speaking. Sorry. Um, my entire uh, video chat screen is filled up with their heads, uh, and they're like four inches away from each other's faces, yeah. going kind of opposite direction into one microphone. The it microphone. Sort of... The microphone is like the <laughs> balloon between us at a Catholic dance. It basically is. Yeah. It, yeah, because the microphone uh, is set up to pick up on either side of it right now, so that we can get two people mm-hmm. on mic. Yeah, and <laughs> um, I'm, as, I'm really giving per, him a hard time. As per usual, Jess is towering over Eric. Uh, <laughs> I'm slumped over. How <laughs> dare you? Uh, we're um, the same height. Yeah, it's kind of like a digital era Lady in the Tramp kind of situation. Yeah. This yeah. would be really funny to have like a marriage podcast where we have to <laughs> podcast inches from each other's face the whole time. <laughs> this is how our friends do it, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a disaster. Come closer, it's okay. No, no, no. It's uh, I don't want to blow the mic out. Of my mic's taking a picture. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so oh, yeah, romantic. Our waveforms are too high. Our waveforms oh, no. are too high. Look at sparks fly when you yes, guys get energy, together. I'm going to back off from the mic a bit. Okay. So we're here to do our third segment, which Jess graciously put together for us so that Mike and I aren't just doing one-sided fucking <laughs> masturbatory tests for each other. Yeah. You were really wise to bring in the person who knows um, nothing about math and <laughs> has a <laughs> terrible memory for names. She can't remember anything. Mm-hmm, well, it's so. just arithmetic at least, right? That's that's what I'm worse at. You know, they say geniuses. Oh, you're okay. Geniuses uh-huh. are oh, terrible Jesus at basic Christ. math. So. so you're like killer at calculus and stuff. Yeah, yeah. She's very good at that, of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> nice. Jealous. So this is a segment that uh, Mike, I'll say, I'll give him credit where credit's due, came up with, but just perfected. And right now we're calling it Them's the Breaks, colon, Timelines of Terror. Is that correct? <laughs> Indeed. Okay. Yeah, you you guys get to guess who came up with which title. Yes, uh, and 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 call in uh, the Kill Streak Hotline. Find it in the show notes. And let us know which one you like better. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, Great. So, Jess, what exactly are you about to do? Great question. I have developed, I believe, eight questions, and oh, so there's a possibility of a tie here. Oof. Okay. First, first strike. Okay. Well, you know what? I'll save. I have two questions about one franchise, so I'll save that for the tiebreaker. Perfect. Okay. okay. Great. Okay. We're, we're making improvements in real time. I love it. <laughs> so, all right. So I've got some questions for you, um, basically about timelines of all different franchises. So I'll, I'll name the franchise and then I'm going to ask you, you know, how many years between A and B. I'll give you three choices um, so that you're not floundering. Great. We'll Thank see you. What happens. Okay. And just just for a little context, the the kernel of this idea was born out of the long break between VHS viral and VHS ninety four. Yes, right. Which we would have talked about already in the first segment of the show. But peek behind the curtain. This is the first thing we're recording this week. Yes. So I don't have my notes in front of me, but I want to say it's like uh, ten years, maybe uh, 12? 12, 2014 to twenty twenty one. Okay, so seven years. That's not that long. Yeah, but it felt long enough. Feel, feels long, right? right I mean, they were pumping one out a year, and then, then they took a seven-year break. And then they pumped three more out in three years. Yep. Mm. Yep. There's a lot of pumping going on. A lot of pumping. Right so much pumping. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll seed the floor. Sorry. Back to you, Jess. 
So we're going to go one by one here? Yeah, I guess it's the best way, right? Yeah, I thought you were going to team up and help each other out. We don't (laughs) don't do that. Are you kidding me? (laughs) So this is interesting because, all right, I think I want Eric to embarrass himself with his favorite franchise. So that means I'm going to start with Mike. Uh, okay. okay. All right. Embarrass myself. Well, you know. So much aggression. I mean, just Jesus. Put you on the spot here. Okay. So, Mike, the first question goes to you. I'm now touching her leg. As I <laughs> <laughs> We're like the married news team on Tim and Eric. <laughs> Gentle petting. Uh-oh. Oh, Jesus Christ. This D- is why Don't I'm worry. Here. He does that constantly by himself. She's threatening to start her own podcast. And I'll say this with bullshit like that. It's not going to go anywhere. You can't just be hitting the mic. But look how upright my posture is. Oh, my God. It's not a posture contest. I've got the face for podcasts. All right, Mike. The first franchise is Candyman. Okay. Pretty basic. How many years does the entire Candyman franchise span? Okay. Is this a thing where, like, we get points for how close we are? And then it's like, no. So it just has to be exact. You get one point or zero points. So are you going to give them three options? Or we're figuring some real time. Okay. Oh, there's multiple choice. Okay. Otherwise, that's. Well, here, hold on. Let me just think for a second before I'm poisoned by Mm. the multiple choices. Interesting. This is how we teach kids to do. This is how he drags everything out. Standardized testing. How he what? Drags everything out. Yes. Mm. You mean mean create content for our (laughs) listeners? (laughs) This is why you couldn't get in the bedroom to go to sleep the other night. Yeah. I think the first Candyman was 92-ish. And I want to say the new one was two years ago or three. So um, I'm going to say 19 or 20 years. Let's see. What are my options? Mm, Okay. Your options are 29 years. Sorry. 29 or 30 years. Go ahead. Yeah. Seven years or 25 years. Mm. I'm going to go with 29 years, Jess. Mm. Interesting. It doesn't um, tell me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have to submit it. At, you have to submit it all. Oh, no. oh, you made like a quiz, like yeah, a Google yeah, quiz. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so fun. But um, also, all right. Can you cut this out while I figure it out? Yeah. No, this is oh, this cut is... it out. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Eric, how's your week? Uh, it's been good. Yeah. Um, I think. What do we do? Oh God, the flop sweat. Oh God, she's our. <laughs> Our listeners have are just not used to us looking at our phones during the podcast. So, <laughs> at least one this, of us, uh, Jess, yeah. you've inadvertently tapped into one of the major features of this podcast, which yeah. is us look googling things in real time. <laughs> uh, I just got back from uh, uh, Utah yesterday. Yeah, that was boy, are your arms was, tired? Was... <laughs> no. My legs, I skied back here. <laughs> How was it? Uh, you're you're not much of a snow bunny, I would say, right? <laughs> well, I, in terms of dealing with the climate, it's no problem for me. I grew up in Wisconsin, right. but uh, I, I haven't done a lot of skiing. And uh, it turns out there's a pretty high level of difficulty. Okay, okay, I'm back. Okay. Hey, what's up, Jess? What'd you say, Mike? I said 29 years. Yeah, you're correct. You get one point. Fantastic. Thank All you. Right. I'm going to have to write this down separately now because you're not taking it together. Okay. I got a piece of paper right here. Okay. M has one. All right. That's me. All right. Eric. Is there an opportunity to steal? That's up to you guys. Oh, no. interesting. No, I guess not. I think with multiple choice. I mean, yeah, I choice, guess if somebody gets one wrong. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, multiple choice makes it easier for the steal. That's yeah. true. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. You want to embarrass me in front of my friends? Yeah. Go ahead. So I chose Night of the Living Dead sure. as the next franchise because I wanted to get Romero in there for you. Thank you. So 
how many years between Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead? Mm, great question. Dawn is 78 and Day is 85, I want to say. Uh, so that would be uh, seven years. Okay. Seven or eight years. Okay. What are my options? Ten, seven, and eight. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, is it eighty-five or eighty-six? Maybe it's eighty-six. Actually, I'm gonna Eat say shit. eight. Eight. It was seven. It was seven. It was seven. Oh, uh, why didn't he trust his gut? The first number out of his mouth. Oh, oh man. Okay. You're right. I mean, Eric's- this is Eric's whole life laid bare. Right? <laughs> He's not having enough. Confidence. Quite enough confidence. The yeah. flip flop. That's true. Yeah, I'm like I'm the John Kerry of the podcast. I'm constantly <laughs> flip flopping. Well, that was perfect. My plan to embarrass you. Worked. Oh my god. Mm. Yeah. All right, Mike. Friday the Thirteenth. Mm-hmm. How many years between the final chapter and a new beginning? Mm. I thought that was funny because you know I wasn't. It the is. Final yeah, chapter. yeah. 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 I'm no, funny. that's a great question. Um. I would love to hear my options. I have a thought, but do you want to share your I, thought? I mean, it's short. It's like one or two years. It I is think. short. Okay. Well, yeah. your options are <laughs> two, one, or three. Hmm. Um. Okay. Let's think. Uh, final chapter feels like eighty-four. I mean, I know three D was eighty-three. And I feel like they're doing these mostly in a once a year clip. So I'm going to say final chapter is probably 84. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to kick myself here, Jess, but I'm going to go with two years. Mm-hmm. Yep. Go ahead and kick yourself, buddy. One it year. One year. One year. One year. Oh, God wow. damn. Those clowns. I just can't believe you even know a year for any of these. <laughs> I thought I was going to have to feed you. Oh, like, yeah, I no, have we're... Wikipedia pages up here. So you're blowing me away we're regardless. We're fucking idiots. Well, we're ner- n- not idiots. We're just mm. full of Idiot useless. savants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> full of useless information. All right, here's Eric. I'm going to give you a Friday the 13th question now. I changed my mind. I'm not going to save it for a tiebreaker. I have another one in Well, mind. that makes sense because if we're each doing one question, it's best that we do the same amount of questions. Exactly. And then I have yeah. another one in the back of my head for a tiebreaker if we need it. Although, eh, so far. Wait, what do we have? We have Mike 1. Mike That's 1. It. 1. Yeah. All right. 1 to 0. All right, Eric. Friday the 13th. How many years between the final chapter and the final Friday? Ooh, what a fun That's question. Jason Goes to Hell, right? In the final Friday? Can I answer that? Yeah, it's fine. He's right. It is. Yeah. Okay. So the final chapter uh, was 85. No, 84. Jess, you can't confirm her with his, the head shaking. I'm just amazed that he's even guessing. Okay. Uh, and then Jason Goes to Hell was like 92. So seven years? Okay. Well, you have to give me options. All right. Your options are two years. Five years or nine years? Oh. Mm. You picked seven, so you're plus one. Uh, I'm going to say five, then it was 90. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was... Um, nine, nine years? It was 89. No, no, no. It was 93. 93. 93. Yeah, so yeah 84 years. to 93. Yeah. Oh, yeah. shit. He knew that. Yeah, because I was right in my... I was right in my supposition that final chapter was nine. Oh, it was and I did it. I, I did my mistake too. Where remember I said eighty five, mm-hmm. and then I corrected myself mm-hmm. and said eighty four. I was still thinking in, as eighty five. Not that that really would have said. Take a deep breath. You can do this. Okay, still one to nothing. You're cu- you're cucking me right now. 
I only have a one point lead. Okay, Mike. This one's the interesting. <laughs> I have <laughs> Mike. I have yeah. four options uh-huh. for you here because I felt like it was too obvious if I only gave you three options. Okay. Okay. So listen carefully. Okay. We're talking about Halloween. Mm-hmm. How many years between the original Halloween and its same named sequel? Mm. Okay, I think I know it, but go ahead. It could be three years, mm-hmm. two years, 29 years, or 25 years. Okay. So there are two same named sequels to Halloween. Yeah. But because you haven't given me one. I, I believe that the length between uh, David Gordon Green's Halloween and the original is 40 years. So I'm going to say we're probably talking about Rob Zombie here. Can you give me the last couple again? 29, 25. 29 or 25 years. Okay. Speak right in here. 29, okay. 25. Thank you. So 78, 2009 or yeah so i'm gonna go with that uh what did did i just say i took 29 years yeah i'm gonna go with 29 okay your years are off but the number of years is right it is 29 oh Oh, geez (laughs) but you were talking about rob zombie's halloween was it 70 79 i was looking for 1978 to 2007 yeah so that's zombies oh yeah i just counted i counted the wrong direction but because i figured that was the first one that issued the 11 between Mm -hmm. and and presented itself as the first sequel yeah it's the first complete reboot technically (laughs) um well (laughs) it is true it's a reboot and then 2017 is a legacy sequel so 2018 um, 2018 Mm -hmm. see but there you know you still retain the upper hand that's great all right um, and I retained my title of Trivia Bull. Um, all right. <laughs> Please continue. All right. We have the score of Michael 2, Eric 0. Shut up. Eric, Phantasm. Okay. How many years oh, between no. 1 and 2? Oh. Hmm. Uh, 1 was 78 also? 78 or 79? And two was, I want to say, 81 or 82. What are my options? Nine, eight, ten. Oh, way more than I thought. Mm. One and two? Mm-hmm. There's that big of a break between them? Surprise. Unless I did my math wrong. Nine, eight, or ten? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say eight. Mm. Let's see. Uh, is that your final answer? You can't help me. <laughs> it's nine. Uh yeah. I was all excited to be like, give yourself a point. Yeah. No. Who's who's cuckolding fantasy is this? <laughs> Both want Eric to Wait, succeed. so Phantasm 1, I'm looking it It's up. older than you think it 1979, is. 1979, and 2 was 1988. What's 88 minus 79? Wow, I guess I'm, I thought I was closer. It's actually not that much older than that. Yeah, wow. Yeah, 1988. That's so long. That is a long Spe- time. Speaking of Phantasm, I watched... Um, I was watching the Star Wars movies, the original trilogy, with my nephews this week, mm. and uh, and I it had, I had forgotten how much the like little bad guys in robes from Phantasm are just Jawas. They're just Jawas, and, yeah. That's literally and literally like when you go to their like their alternate universe, it's just the desert. It's like oh no, they're literally Jawas. Yeah, yeah. What's a Jawa? 
uh, there's those little scavenger guys that like um, sabotage C-3PO at the beginning. Oh, it is. Or they a, sell him. They sell yeah. him. They sell him. Yeah. It's a Star Wars reference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In Phantasm. Yeah. I only like the Ewoks. No, they just look like them. Yeah, they're kind of Ewoky. We just watched Return of the Jedi last night. It's good. It's movie. not as good as the other two. But oh, I was, I was thinking of Empire. Sorry. Yeah. I watched Uncut Gems with my parents, and they're still mad about it. Yes. I came home, and, they're, and they have like a half an hour left of Uncut Gems. Uh-huh. And Jess is uh-huh. like, I thought you said it was funny, but then when it started, I remember you said it was really stressful. <laughs> Jess, do you know that's why I haven't seen it yet? It is. You need to get your heart checked before you see it. It's a great um, movie, but Jess's dad, Jess's dad's like, I hate that movie. It's really well made, but I hate that movie. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, Mike. What's ready? our score? Mike two, Eric. A beautiful golden Stop egg. It. Circular. Goose egg. Uh, how many questions are left? Uh, one, two. We okay. each get one so more. I can, I can at least tie it up. Well, unless okay. Mike gets this gets this right. Yeah. Oh no no I can't. I no. there's no way. But I could give you a bonus. <laughs> Promise. <laughs> are you ready, Michael? Everybody, everybody, you've heard this, right? I can refer I'm... back to this. <laughs> You just keep a little recording on your phone. <laughs> okay, right. Michael. I'm ready. Scream. How many years between the two movies in the franchise titled Scream? Hmm. Um. Okay. 96, I think. And then new Scream. What did we decide it was? Scream of five. Five cream. Five cream. That's right. Right, because it starts with the five. And then scream six is like scree six them. Not the question. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is important lore for fans of the podcast, Jess. Um, okay. So I'm saying five cream was two years ago. 22, 96 to 22. So we're talking 26 years. Okay. What are my options? 24. 25 26 let's let's i mean let's go with what my gut said i'm gonna say 26 years eric you need to harness some of this confidence go with your gut you are correct thank you Hmm. it's funny because in all other ways i go with my gut just in life and (laughs) mike overthinks it but you know he's good at trivial things like trivia (laughs) hey i've i've made some rash decisions All right. Well, Eric, let's, can you salvage any any dignity? Uh, this? Give me something easy. Oh, <laughs> All right. Final destination. Mm-hmm. How long between final destination and the final destination? All right. So final destination was 97 or 98. I think it was 98, actually. All right. Don't make faces, honey. Jesus <laughs> Christ. All right. 97 then. And the final destination, which is the fifth one is that what we decided last week when we were talking about it uh no That's i don't know why i'm helping you but no it's oh, not you the can't win one. we we got to throw him a bone here yeah all right give me an option it's a millennial movie i should remind you yeah yeah you're right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, a millennial movie what's it's a that millennial mean? movie yeah the you know uh, uh, okay fine, girl, right. girl who kicked God the spider's nest or dragon's hornet's what nest, are the right? options they're not gonna, I'm going to make the options easier. No, don't right. do that. <laughs> seven, eight, or nine. Seven, this is eight more or nine. embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, 
I we don't we don't do um <clears throat> what do they call it on the Doughboys with the thing at the beginning of the drops, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is the only episode we've ever done that would really merit a drop because the <laughs> just the exclamation of like don't don't look at don't look at it, don't laugh at me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this bit is really just making itself. All right, um, I'm gonna go with eight. That's what I thought, and that's not right. Say it with your chest. Nine. Nine. Oh, well, you know. Yeah, because Final Destination was in 2000. Okay. Millennial, you know? So all I, well, you had I got to do that after you was, gave me that hint. Yeah. But I didn't, re- I didn't remember which one was the Final Destination. In my Nine minus zero. Okay. No, I know, <laughs> I know how to do math. <laughs> I couldn't remember which one was the Final Destination, but I don't think it's actually the final one. So the fourth Number one. four. It's a fourth yeah. one. Okay, I couldn't remember. Uh, I couldn't remember how many there were. Yeah. All right. Well, you want to know what sh- my bonus question was going to be? Yeah. yeah. Okay. If Scream Seven is released when rumored, how many years will the franchise have spanned from numbers one to seven? Well, so it's supposed to come out in twenty twenty five. Um. So that would be uh, from ninety six to twenty five. Um, whatever that is. <laughs> Thir- 29 years. Oh my God, he got the bonus question. Thank 10 you. points, Eric wins. Oh, Jesus. Incredible. This sucks. You're never allowed on cucked. this podcast again. Uh, the dogs are <laughs> the dogs are clawing at the door. All right, so I realize I have to do wrap-up stuff now because this is the end of the episode. Thank you so much, Jess. That was so much fun. Yeah. That was a ton of fun. Thank you no, so really much did, for having me. This is really satisfying. Gra- I would call it gratifying. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. All right. Uh, VHS. No, this is 94 is the one that we're doing now. Yeah, VHS 99. 99 is the next up. And I have Shutter. it right here. It's on Shutter. It's on Hoopla, which Hoopla. we talked about last week. is actually like Canopy where you just need a library card. Ah. AMC Plus, DirecTV, and then it's uh, rentals everywhere else. Wherever your money is good. Uh Oh, God. The dogs are desperate. They want to get to us. And as always, can you hear that, Mike? Can you hear that? (laughs) Their little paws are going under the door. It's like tremors. Uh, And as always, in the name of Ratma. Perfect. What does that mean? What a perfect, (laughs) perfect ending.